Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Tracks Edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Is this week 35 or 36? What are we on now? It is week 35. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Week Johnny 5. As always, we'll be covering these things uh, in the reverse order of how well they did last week. So, I mean, as as of the last about 10 of these, right? Who can remember that far back, though? Yeah. That's basically for before we were born. <laughs> From before, from before the Earth was yeah, dog. Listen, born. I might die before we get to episode forty. At this point, it's, <laughs> it seems like it takes fucking forever. But also, I hate doing it every week. Yep. Yeah, I would never do this every week. We need at least a week off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so we're back. Also, uh, because now we are at episode thirty-five, which again is like a hundred and seventy-five episodes did i do that math right uh you gotta add four you always gotta plus add the four f- plus the four doubles so uh, yeah, yeah one, 179 of these mfers um we're also going to do an update to the actor rankings hell yeah each of these shows so that's the that's the agenda we should hop in because we got six hours here yeah I, I gotta say one actor has given me two pretty solid performances in a row it's gonna get a little bit of a bump oh teaser that's a teaser coming up i'll tell you why Seska is the best actor on Voyager. <laughs> uh, but before we get to that, we have to get through Enterprise. All right. Do we uh, really have to? I mean... Can't you skip it? I mean, we could quit the whole project, <laughs> but it seems weird to just drop Enterprise at this point, especially since for the last 10 weeks, Voyager was worse. Can we replace it with the new one, Discovery? Can we just slot that in, in the oh, fifth man. spot? <clears throat> yeah, I actually had a discussion with Katie last night where she asked me, are you guys doing the new one too? It's and not I done said, yet. No, 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 <laughs> no. Yeah, no, and let's not think about it. And then it's canon like, is not the, concluded yet. The process of even having to interleave it in, like go back and figure out how those episodes compared to Encounter at Farpoint, etc. Uh, yeah. Seems so daunting. Yeah, it'll never get in. Sorry. This will have to stand alone as its own project. Yes, I agree. Uh, it can go in with uh, Battlestar Galactica and Babylon 5. That's right. We'll put Discovery up against uh, Space Rangers in 12 and years. Uh, uh, Stargate Andromeda. There you go. <laughs> Space Rangers. Uh, they could not have done many episodes of that. No, I bet they just did a, a few of them probably. But I think I seem to recall that they had a shape shifter on yep, there too. Yeah, they did for sure. Biting DS9 style. Anyway, uh, this week we watched Vanishing Point. What? Uh, listen, if they're just going to do the next phase, uh, they don't deserve their own theme. That's You're right. going to bite about five TNG episodes this week. That's what you get. Didn't we just have this one, by the way, recently? Or some aspect of the episode was that? 
Oh, it was the one where they thought uh, Julian and uh, O'Brien were dead. Yeah, we we uh, yes, we got to see them mourn a little bit, right? Yeah. So, Trip and Hoshi, the fucking dream team. Yeah, that's what I, I love seeing them together. That's my favorite combo. Are down on some desolate planet that they say has no bioscience. They are standing under a plant. I guess that doesn't count. No. Nope. Uh, anyway, they're looking through some ruins on this desolate planet, but a big ol' energy storm comes, and it means they don't even have... It just comes out of nowhere on them. Yeah, it's and got all kinds don't of have giant time. tornadoes in there and everything. Yeah, it's bad news. It's a bad storm. Yeah. Anyway, they're not going to be able to get in the shuttle pod and, and uh, go back to the ship, so they're going to have to beam up. And they're both a little nervous about it, but Hoshi is, like, crazy nervous. Yeah, at this point in the show, not that many people have actually been transported anywhere. Right, I think Reed has done it a couple of times, Maybe and Archer. Archer's done it yeah. once. And uh, what about that guy who got... Which one got full of rocks? Was that Reed? Uh, Someone had a bunch of rocks embedded in their skin. Maybe it was just some red shirt that we haven't seen again. Yeah. Uh, she uh, she makes Trip go up first to prove it's safe. But uh, she comes up right after him, and uh, seemingly without ill effect. Uh, though she's like a little out of it. Archer stops by to check on her, and she's like, she's a little uh, worn out by her day, let's say. So uh, he tells her not to, uh, not to come work her shift. So the next time we see her, she's uh, she's gonna have dinner, right? And she says she doesn't feel like herself, and uh, all of her main castmates who were there, Trip and Reed and uh, Mayweather, a teaser tell her a little ghost story about a guy who never rematerialized so that's super helpful on their part yeah um she goes to see flocks because she still doesn't feel right and also like she thinks a mole has moved i'm not sure if this has come up at this point uh i I know we saw her studying it in the mirror at some point she mentions that her mole has moved yes um but she gets to sick bay she has uh, what what is sort of like her second... Seems like no one can hear me or no one knows I'm here. Like, it takes me a while to get people's attention mm-hmm. moment with Flocks. But um, he scans her and says she's fine and he sends her to bed. Then she has what I assumed was like a weird stress dream yeah. about aliens taking Trip and Mayweather hostage uh, and her not being able to do her job. Yeah, but. She- she shows up late, is all discombobulated, and doesn't know how to use the translator right. And Right. Yeah. <clears throat> By the way, which is uh, like a different TNG to... episode. It's like the one where Worf is jumping dimensions, and the panel becomes unfamiliar to him, and they get shot at a bunch. That's right. Um, also, there weren't supposed to be any aliens down there. Right. Plants uninhabited. So, anyway... Uh, but they proceed as though that was real. So that's a little bit confusing. Yeah, re- reality seems to be uh, changing slightly. Then she starts to see some shit, like she takes a shower and her hands start to vanish and water passes through it and her reflection becomes transparent. Um, but the next time we, we join the, the crew, the hostage situation seems to have been resolved, um, but everyone's a little disappointed in Ohoshi because uh, some crewman nobody figured out how to do the translation. Yeah. And so she's... Um, She's been taken off duty for a little bit. But but the producers of this show, at this point, lose faith in the storytelling device they've picked. Mm-hmm. Because we start to hear uh, voices in a turbo lift that 
sound very much like someone is trying to get Hoshi to materialize in the transporter. Yeah. Anyway, either she doesn't hear. Kind of like clear to um, me, by the way. Sometimes I'm not sure whether or not Crusher was hearing the voices come through the little portal in "Remember Me." Right. <sighs> did she hear it? Because she doesn't react to it. I don't think she did. But we hear it, so now we know this is all a goof em up. Right. But they're going to keep pretending it's not. Um, she starts talking to Flocks about all her little materialization shit. And uh, he convinces her one more time that she's okay. So she uh, she goes to use the ship's solo flex. Yeah. And she has a little uh, chat with Trip, and he's doing space camp. Sure. But um, as soon as he leaves, all of the computers stop interacting with her, and she can't leave the gym. So she spends the night there, and when she wakes up, Trip and T'Pol have come looking for her because that's the last place she was seen. But now they just can't see her or hear her. Right. So now we're next phasing. Yes. Yeah, now we've finally gotten into it. She follows T'Pol to sick bay, and Phlox reveals that, uh, whoops, this time he did his due diligence, and it turns out her molecules are coming apart. Mm. Her exact follows, fear, it turns out. It turns out the exact thing she was afraid of, huh? Yeah. She follows Archer to the transporter room, and Trip's like, oh, yeah, transporter wasn't synchronized, right? And as she follows these people around the ship, um, she winds up in some access corridor and she sees two blue aliens planning some kind of device. Yeah. So now she is less concerned about her own death or whatever has happened to her. And she is more concerned about trying to save the ship. Mm -hmm. So she can't communicate to Archer that the ship's in danger. She has to watch a weird Abbott and Costello routine between Archer and her dumb dad. We'll talk about him. Yeah. Well, I had a lot written about him, and then the ending made me just go, who cares? Uh, well, there's, <laughs> surely reasons. there is one fact about him that you still care about. Okay. Because oh, presumably it looks like her dad. Like, that was her dad. It's, it, again, none of this is real. Yeah. But we'll um, get to it. we know something about her dad now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Like, she makes a light blink SOS at Archer, and for some reason he's just like, yeah, but fuck it. Like, T'Pol's like, look, whatever. It's blinking. Yeah, you Congratulations. Get, I guess at home you're supposed to be real hopeful that he's going to pick up this Morse code. But Also, when she changes it to care. spell her own name, obviously he doesn't recognize it. No, he only recognizes 3.3 dashes. <laughs> which is all the Morse code I would recognize. <laughs> Me too, exactly. So at that point, he's like, oh, I guess it is just a random pattern, so whatever. Yeah, she should have gone back to SOS. She should have gone, no, 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 no. Whoops, I didn't mean that. Uh, anyway, now she's uh, she's got a... Save the ship herself. So she chases these aliens through to engineering. They're planting a device. She interferes with one, but they send up another one. And then they throw a transporter pad on the ground in what would be the coolest tech if anybody had it. Yeah. And they beam out. And she summons up the courage to jump onto that transporter pad to follow them. But um, when she rematerializes, she's on Enterprise for real. Nothing was real all along. She was stuck in the pattern buffer for eight seconds. Yeah, just like Scotty was for a while. Flock says the whole thing was the product of probably just the last one or two seconds as she was materializing. And, uh, boy, now you got to imagine she's super afraid of that goddamn thing. Yeah, I would never go back anyway, on that Anyway, Archer again. says she conquered her fear, so... Uh, <laughs> and if he says it, that's what happened. So, Matthew, yeah, what's this dangle episode about? Dog, uh, to protect others, you must sometimes confront your greatest fears. 
as a take, this is fine and definitely not novel. Um, it's just kind of on the the boring side of average. I gave it a four. We'll get into it on execution with all the problems with this. The execution was troubling yeah. in this episode for but, sure. You know what I mean? Um, she jumps on the transporter voluntarily in the end to try to save the crew, even though it's all a dream. It ain't real. Whatever. Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> I. Um... Yeah, we're we're on the same. I only thought it was worth three. By the way. Okay. Um, we're close because it's not. It's not Star Trekky, and it's not science fictiony. I mean, I guess it's reasonably Star Trekky, but like it's something you can do with science fiction. You don't necessarily the have to. other TNG episode, Realm of Fear, about yeah. being afraid of the transporter, does a much better job. Yeah, because just like a one thousand times better. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, in forty years, we'll get to that one. That's yeah, like if we ever get to. By the way, and I'll and I'll hate it because it's a Barclay episode, and it makes me very uncomfortable to watch him cavort. Oh, around. oh yeah, well, you're going to be very upset when you have to put him in the actor rankings, and he's number three or something. When you when you watch it with a critical eye and you go, oh damn it, oh damn it, he's doing face a from the A team knows how to was he oh, face man? No, he was. Um... Uh, I don't know. He's just like a right wing talk radio guy now. So whatever. Oh wow, really? That's yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh. Can you imagine tuning in to hear what Dwight Schultz has to say about some shit? I honestly can't. I, I that, tried to, and his, nothing. That's happened. his name, right? Not the guy who wrote Peanuts. <laughs> yeah, I, I think sometimes right. can't remember. <laughs> I literally tried to imagine it, and I just had a gray picture of nothing. In yeah, my brain. just could not couldn't summon even an <laughs> my image. brain quit on that one. Um, <laughs> as a take, I wrote: I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear yeah. is the little death that brings total obliteration. I right. will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Uh, an Where ancient the fear Egyptian is gone, blessing. There will be nothing. Only I will remain. An ancient Egyptian blessing. Yeah, it's definitely that or Dune. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I just say everything is an ancient Egyptian blessing because that's what happens in Babylon. Three point take. Uh, ben wrote, you can face down your fears if you have enough at stake, but he only thought it was worth two points, so <laughs> sliding, we all agree here. on the take, we just don't care about it to an equal degree. Yeah. Although we're all in the realm of less Man. than a five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, you know, Enterprise we always go through really quickly, so I don't, I don't think there's anything else to say about this take, but... Um, well, I don't think there's any controversy about what the take is. Yeah. And... So science fiction allows you to get to one of these scenarios real quickly. But again, uh, facing your fears in order to save somebody you care about scenario is real easy to do, especially in like a cop show, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. You could do it in another genre. Like it's super easy to have someone who's afraid of heights have to like cross a tightrope to get to somebody. There's like a ton of ways to public speak. There's a ton of ways to do this in... uh, non-science fiction so it's just it's not a sci-fi take at all and uh it's star trekky but it's not about humanity Uh, like if the take was everybody has the ability to overcome their fears yeah um maybe but like no one she's the only one who has any issues in this episode and in a lot of episodes we'll talk about hoshi yeah and well we'll talk about it in characterization too um so so, how do you feel about how they did on this mofo so there's, cause there's some problems with this episode. Yeah. Um, and first and foremost among them is nothing that happened in Hoshi's mind matters. Right. Not just in the sense that it didn't happen, like that it didn't happen in real life, but also because it didn't affect the outcome at all. Yeah, she literally like, just beamed up. That was it. No, ma- no matter what she experienced inside that pattern buffer, 
she was still going to rematerialize at eight seconds. It's not like, oh, because you jumped on the transporter pad in your dream, you transported in real life. Yeah. I, I mean, let's just say this. If that's what they're actually saying, then it goes to zero X. <laughs> that's right. So yep, they better be points. happy with the positive number of points that I give them if uh, if that. Yeah. Uh, it's also problematic because Scotty spent 70 years in a pattern buffer. He didn't tell us about any And he didn't dreams. become an in- entire insane person, which clearly would have happened to her. Yeah, we didn't hear anything about his crazy dreams in there. Just that the other guy, we can never remember his name, uh, that he was only half brilliant because the other guy didn't make it. So, um, in terms of addressing the take... I think that they hurt themselves a little bit because the they spend a lot of time dicking around with what would it be like to see your own funeral, which is like not the part of the transporter she was afraid of. Dying? Well, not like dying and then having to like oh, live, live through, through it, it, right? Yeah, like, live through your death. Not not, not what not what if the transporter makes me a ghost? Yeah. Like, that's not what she was afraid of and the disappearing or Well, not even that. The if- remember me aspect of this where people you know what I mean? Like if her fear, if her fear was leaving people behind, if it was dying in the line of duty, if that was her great fear, having her live through her funeral might mean something in that case. But she has a very specific fear of this technology. Her fear is right. not of dying in the line of duty. Her fear is of transporters. So they spend a lot of time on that, and then we come to the climactic scene in engineering, and they throw that transporter down, and they don't like even really leave the camera on her long enough to make it clear that she's hesitating at all. Yeah. Like in the moment where they need to reintroduce her fear or make it clear that if she goes through there, she can save them in some way. Yes. Yeah. Something, some kind of connecting tissue around that. Yes. In the end, she jumps on that transporter and follows them, but it's not connected to her fears. It's not her overcoming her fears to save the ship. Yeah. I mean, there's a, you could even take the cynical take like, yeah, wherever these guys are going, it's not about to explode. That's right. She's just trying to get off a blowing up ship. Yeah, I mean, get the fuck out of here. <clears throat> right. So that's not great. And then in terms of how this episode was produced, the they almost did it good. In the sense that they do weird shit that's so weird that it seems like it can't be real. Hmm. But then they just keep asserting that it is real. Yeah. And if they had done that the whole time, I think it would have been more interesting. It would have been a better picture of, like, what it's like to live inside someone's weird, crazy dream world. Yeah. But because they keep throwing us the voices of the transporter people trying to beam her out, it's like they don't commit to it. Yeah. Or they could have just made it all real and, like, had some stakes. Well, and this is the thing. One of the reasons that I think that's somewhat effective in this episode is that I don't trust Enterprise not to be dumb and bad enough to do this story real. Yeah. Like, when you're like, they can't really have been like, oh, in Act 2, there was a hostage crisis that Hoshi couldn't solve, but in Act 3, everyone's just back on board and acting like nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, right. But exactly. you're like, but this show could. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, they could have really sold it. But they, again, they they didn't. They undercut it themselves. I ended up giving it two points for execution. Right. Um, I'll just do Ben's before I do mine. I ben, think that's some major missteps is what I'm saying. Ben gave it a three. He said those aliens don't have much of a credible reason to want to infiltrate and blow up the ship. That's fair. Um, though they aren't real. Um, 
And then he says the baddies didn't do it for him, and then it was all a dream yuck. Um, so I agreed with you. I gave it a two. Okay. Uh, I said, here we go again with another weird fantasy alternate dimension uh, personality-altering episode where none of it's real, and it's hard to... Um, it's one, it's hard to actually evaluate it because it's all a dream. Yeah, well, um, we'll get, that's going to hurt in yeah. world-building and characterization, let's she say. She has transporter fears, gets stuck in a transporter buffer, dreams she has to stop aliens from blowing up the ship, and sure, steps on a transporter pad again to save the crew. But it's all fake. It's nothing more than a dream. I've had some weird-ass dreams that don't actually reflect anything about how I might feel or act in real life. It's very true. If you do something heroic in a dream, that in no way means that you are heroic in real life. <laughs> If I, uh, I, is, I've had dreams where I fought terrorists on airplanes. That is true. I can't and say I think, for sure I would do that in real life. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. Maybe you wouldn't. I don't know. Who knows? <clears throat> um, so you can't even really say she faced her fears to save the ship. She obviously, she just dreamed that she did. And uh, and how do transporters work? I know that's for world building, but I, I'm just, I'm getting so annoyed. How do they work? You can have a funny dream in there? I don't know. It it is a problem that like even if you hadn't had this episode, we have already faced real problems with the transporters. Like in the next in uh, the original series, it seems like you disappear in one place and appear in the other, and you don't have any kind of consciousness until no. that second thing has occurred. Like that, um, like that dumb uh, Air Force guard yeah. who, frankly, may have been brain damaged by his trip. <laughs> Could be. And the transporter man had to make him chicken soup. Yeah. Um, but like in shit in, in Schizoid Man, yeah, Troy was clearly conscious inside the wall for a second. Right. Like you so specifically it, told us I was just in that wall, and it's like how can you be conscious inside the wall anyway? Right. <clears throat> so it's already troubling. And no, nothing, nothing about transporter technology makes any any sense. I know it's because it's supposed to be your actual particles flying through the air, but then it's like, well, how do they go through the rock? How do they go through things? Yeah, like how yeah. does this work? How does it right. fucking work? Yeah. So none of it makes sense. So you, you might as well say the transporter is basically magic. Yep. But then, like, it's not even treated consistently. It's that's, a real that's problem. That's my problem. Yeah. If you if you want to say it's magic, but then they don't have consciousness in it, they just appear on the other side. That's fine. But you can't have it. They just appear on the other side sometimes, and sometimes they have a whole fantasy world in yep. in mid transport. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. So a two. I agreed. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, I'm a five through the top half, and you're a six. Yeah. And uh, what was Ben about uh, a five, five again? Yeah. Yeah. How uh first of all did you did they do any world building as far as you were concerned did you find any of it My, as usual it's mostly questions H- how does hoshi know <clears throat> how old the cave markings are like what sort of device is she holding yeah that's a good question you just go beep 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 and it tells you they're 400 years old or whatever i don't i don't know what it's measuring um why are they excavating this place are they trained for this <laughs> You have the chief engineer well, and the translator. They said the chief engineer and the ship's translator. They're not archaeologists. I'm sort no. of confused by what's happening in this episode. If, okay, cool. You discovered a cave. Mark that on the map. Say, hey, I think there's some ruins here. You might want to take a look. Get somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah, it's fully reasonable that Hoshi would want <laughs> to be on this away team. Like, 
I would imagine that pictograms were kind of an, you know, maybe something she'd thought about at some point mm-hmm. in her, uh, her prodigious linguistic training. But Could be. like, uh, it does not appear that Enterprise is operating with an archaeologist or anthropologist of any kind. They don't appear to have a team for everything seem, like TOS, like the Enterprise which, and TOS does. Which probably makes sense, considering that this is a small ship, but also they seem to be on a real open-ended exploration and first contact type mission, so it seems like you should bring somebody. Yeah, you think you'd want some anthropologists and archaeologists, but... Like somebody who's at least used to thinking about culture, but not even if trip. they've only thought about Earth cultures. Just send Trip. Trip knows what's going uh, on. Send Trip down there. You know, presumably they... he presumably he flew the shuttle down there. You notice they never send him anywhere unless it's an uninhabited planet. Yeah, and by the way, good, every good week rule. he wants to go on the mission. That's right. They said, "Okay, you can go this time because there are no people you can interact with because you're gonna yeah. you're gonna fuck up again." Um, diamagnetic storms that can harm your nervous system, I guess, is what they claim is the danger. Um. I guess you can only transport one person at a time at, at this point with that technology. Uh, it seems like, like that, right? They only have one pad, mm-hmm. and uh, we've only ever seen one person transport at a time. But also, I think even if they could transport two, Hoshi still won a trip to go first because she didn't quite believe it was safe. Yeah. Uh, and that you can live in a, a weird fantasy inside of the pattern buffer. Um, I guess two. I guess two points. The pattern buffer's a dang old machine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but you can live a weird fantasy when your pattern's stored inside of it. You can have a fantasy world. Well, um, you liked it more than I did <laughs> in this regard. <laughs> okay. Because I only gave it one point. All right. So I was going to give it more initially for some of the discussion of early transporter development. But then when she gets out there and she says, what about... Fuck, what was the name of the fake guy? Um, I had it written down and I erased it because it wasn't real. <laughs> yeah, that's this is the problem, right? Yep. What about the name of uh, of whoever? What yeah. about whoever who uh, never materialized again and they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? It turns out none of that was real either. Yeah. So I don't know how much she remembered about Cy- something Cyrus, she had heard Cyrus about Cyrus early. Jones. Cyrus Jones. I don't remember. Cyrus. <laughs> Poor Cyrus. Red Block. Transporter. Maybe. Poor Cyroid. Cyroid, I think. Yeah, let's call him that. Uh, so, anyway, I didn't give it as many points for the early history of the transporter as I wanted to. And then yeah. the rest of the show is um, not real and uh, crazy storms on a ruined world. Yeah, it's hard. There's I, yeah. I, uh, Cyrus Ramsey. I had yes. to... Um, I kept having to go... Like, at the end, when I realized it was all a fake-out, I had to go through and just be like, well, that doesn't matter. That I wrote down doesn't matter anymore. This doesn't matter anymore. Fucking assholes. Yeah, it's like, I mean, is it worth a point that there is such a thing as bimodal syntax and it should be pretty easy to solve? I don't know. Is that real? It's very hard to say. I don't know. She just dreamed it. <laughs> That's what I'm at saying. Least, at proof. least in her dumb dream, she seems pretty uh, disappointed in herself. Yeah. But, uh, ben, I don't know. Ben agreed with you and gave it one point. Yeah. So It's like, they're not telling us anything about the world of Star Trek here. Yeah. Again, I had I just had questions and a few very small uh, observations. So at this point, we might as well swing into characterization. Mm-hmm. 
And it's tough. Only Hoshi is real in this episode. Yeah, you get like one minute in the beginning with Trip and one minute in the end with Archer, and that's it. Yeah. And they don't do anything. So. And she's in some pretty crazy circumstances. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to award a lot of points. Like, this was never going to be an eight-point episode, because it's only got Hoshi, and Hoshi's going having the worst day of her life right here. Yeah. Which could teach you something about somebody. Yeah, but I mean, maybe the... she has some kind of great character arc contained within this episode, but no. but But here's the deal with this. We've already kind of seen this paralyzed by uncertainty. Do I belong here? Should I have come on this mission, Hoshi, before? Yes, we have. And I thought that T'Pol had given her enough pep talks to kind of get through. Like, when this is not new. Nothing about this is new. Nope. She's really and, not suited to be out here. Like, she keeps saying, Am I, should I be out here? No. The answer is uh, yeah, no. It turns out probably not. No. Like, who's the second best languages person? Yep. Get I wonder if there. that's I wonder if that's good enough. And maybe send her back to help um, develop the program a little bit better. You know? Yeah, maybe, exactly. Maybe teach you know what? She's got a people. year out here. Let's trade her out. Yeah, but don't somebody. have her just go teach in the jungle in Brazil or whatever. Have her teach at the academy or whatever. Whatever exists. Right. Whatever version of that there is. Have her train her replacement at least. Yeah. Um, I, I could only give it two points for characterization. Uh, let's see. Hoshi is desperate to avoid the transporter. The cycle of her losing and regaining her mojo continues. The only person in this episode who we can really talk about is Hoshi. Only the first and last minutes of the show have any real characters in them. The rest is inside of her weird pattern buffer fantasy world. She courageously tries to stop aliens from destroying Enterprise. You know, in her dream. She was... average? I have it as a four because there was one person in it and they were average. But... Yeah, no, I'll keep it. That's fine. I, I mean, I guess that's okay. I think it's like, would you say that this episode, out of ten, how much work did this episode do in in terms of advancing the characterization of the crew of Enterprise? Yeah, not much. And I think that's why I could only give it two points. Okay. Like we, I guess, yeah, exactly. Whatever. Yeah, I'm not gonna try to argue you down from four. Yeah, just, I I feel it's not worth anybody's time. You feel fine about it though. Ben agreed it with you and gave it a two. Yeah. Um. Did you bother to write any quick hitters? There's never that many for Enterprise because it's it's not a, an entertaining show in general. I <laughs> think can we say no. that after 35 weeks? <laughs> it, in general, it's not entertaining. It's not clicking with me. I don't like it any better. No. We Katie and I were at uh a pokey restaurant that also does rolled ice cream. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a weird kind of joint restaurant. And they were showing NCIS on the TV. And I said, oh, which is it? The Scott Bakula NCIS? And she said, well, I don't see him. And then it ended and another NCIS came on. And she said, no, this is the Scott Bakula one. <laughs> and I had to tell her that based on the two episodes of Quantum Leap that we watched hmm. and all of the Enterprise that I've watched, I'm uh, out. Uh, on oh Scott yeah, Bacula. 100% I'm not out. in the Scott Bakula camp. I mean, we're about to do the actor rankings for this show, and uh, guess what? He's not at the top. No, it's just it's kind of tough. a problem for your show if you if you stunt cast the one guy for like we have one name on the show, and you bring him on, and you actually do try to use him heavily, but he's very bad. Yeah, and by the way, that's bad like, for your show. Talk about a dumb show, and then uh, so like, do you know? Um, do you know who the lead was in Stargate SG-1? I don't know any of the Stargates. Yeah, MacGyver. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know who's pretty good in Stargate SG-1? Is MacGyver good in that? MacGyver's not oh, bad in it at all. Oh, okay. That well, show, by the way, not terrible. Okay. 
it's corny. It's extremely corny. I I don't even know how many Stargates there are. Is it like the Power Rangers? I think are they did three of series of Stargates, oh, okay. and but like SG One might have had seven seasons. Yeah, I know Marjan watches the channel Comet all the time, and it plays a bunch of old sci-fi and stuff. And I think the one that they play a lot is Atlantis. Is that one? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really watch. I didn't watch Atlantis. I only okay. watched SG One. And then there's Universe is another one. Okay, I think. So MacGyver's good in that. Then we're gonna have a lot of discussions about yeah. this when we do the actor rankings because it's pretty easy to tell which shows are good based on who the best actors are and how much play they get. Yeah. If you have point. a good actor, you should use them a lot. If you have bad actors, don't use them. Use the good actors. You know, yeah. like this seems like this would be a good rule, but <laughs> we'll see who actually follows it. Anyway, quick hitters. Yes. This scene where Hoshi oversleeps and then can't translate these uh, these alien shits. Uh, again, I already said, reminds me of that Worf episode where he can't figure out the... Reality keeps changing and he can't figure out the, the tactical panel. Um, oh yeah, I, listen, I picked the theme song for this episode correctly. I've typed... When I was doing this, I typed Hishi, H-I-S-H-I, like 75 times. <laughs> I don't know why I can't type. I could never I mean, type. The I is next to the O. Yeah, I don't know. I'm dumb though. I type Odod all the time for Odo. O D O D. Why? You just, want the, you just want the symmetry of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's wrong with me. I type Odod almost every time. Um, I think the creators of the show thought that in this episode they'd like to use Hoshi as eye candy. They like well, had they, a first of all. They didn't really commit to it. They had like a shower scene where she was disrobing. Yes, they did the standard like uh, up from the feet. Yeah, and to... then she like walks behind a thing when it right. should be up when it's panning up on her butt or whatever. Yeah, no, no. Listen, I agree. This would have been I can't. Well, okay. I was gonna say for the next generation, but the next generation actually gets buck wild at certain points. It goes like definitely when go. they were shooting some of Troy's nightwear outfits, Ugh. they did not anticipate this shit being in HD. <laughs> nope, because no. it turns out to be fairly revealing and gross. But, um, but uh. For I think by Enterprise standards, they were a little restrained with it. Yeah, I mean, regardless of the success, I think this is the idea they had in their head. Because like then they, they have her in her midriffy workout clothes the rest of the episode. That is true. Um, and I was going to say, about this show specifically, it's not sexist, because we've had to see these jacked-ass male cast members a million times already. So they're, Oh yeah, no, they don't treat her around. any worse than... I mean, Trip did an underwear episode. Yeah, where, where he, he spent, was... Where the he, whole episode. Where he was he die-hearted in his underwear the whole episode, right? Yeah, they don't care who it is. If it's the dudes, if it's Archer's been all hairy and shirtless, fucking Mayweather's been all jacked. Uh, I mean, look, let's be honest. If they if this had been a T'Pol episode, they would have had her... Out, uh, they would have had her just uh, with her hands over her bare tits for yep. the whole episode. Exactly correct. <laughs> So they, I mean, like the first thing that would have happened was she would have phased and all of her clothes would have fallen off. Yeah, and, and exactly. Yes, they they goes with what they were trying to sell. They're like, this is going to be a newer, sexier show, and then they just made all the characters either unlikable or totally vanilla. And it's like, oh great, yeah, you made a great show. Uh, that's all I had. Uh, we already talked about makes no sense having Trip be down there. Um, when, uh, when Allison didn't acknowledge her in the hall, I wrote, okay, but I mean, Allison could just be a bitch. Right, exactly. Who knows? She could be a total fucking C. It would have been great if she was like, man, I kept having all of these dreams. And she's like, you know what, though? Allison made eye contact with me. I got to think about what that part of the dream meant. Yeah. 
Uh, her dad's Buck Bakai, of course. Yep. You didn't mention it, but uh, um, he was definitely Buck It was Bakai. redacted. I originally mentioned it, and then I took him out of the episode, because I don't even know whether that's really her dad, or if she dreamed Buck Bakai was her dad. You know what? It is possible. I don't know. I've had dreams where people were not represented physically yes. by themselves. We are like, but oh, like, I was knew, talking to Marjon, like, and it was You knew it was else. them, but it's like, you know what? But actually, that was not... That's not what that person looks like or sounds like. Exactly. Or you're like, oh, I'm at school, but really you're like in your own home, but you think you're at sc- like in the dream, right. it's at school exactly. or whatever. So I, I had to redact all that, but Ben got that too. Ben said, Buck Bakai is how she's dead. Yeah. Uh, just listen, they take such little effort to not cast people we've seen before yep. in all of these shows, not just in this one, uh, that you might as well reward them by calling it out. Yeah. Um I thought the best part of this episode probably was all the crazy Ringu shots of Hoshi like crouching in a corner towards the end or like the camera pans and she's like up on the counter or <laughs> yep. they have her in these access tubes that are like only four and a half feet high. So she's constantly like crouched over and it's a, uh, it's kind of creepy when she's just off to the side, not saying anything. So yeah. I thought that was f- not bad. Some of the ones where she's like, like, like you said, sitting up on a counter or something. I think they right. were like, now she doesn't have to worry about standing. Now she can, now that she's not like, they can't see her. She can do all the things she always wished she could do. Like sit on a counter. Well, listen, they're just, they're just running the next phase where like Ensign Rowe is being sassy to people who can't see her. Oh yeah. Talking shit to Riker. Talk. Yeah. Talking shit to Riker or whatever. Yeah. Um, but they goof for a couple of reasons. One, this poor woman ain't Michelle Forbes. Yeah, yeah. Who's like, has acting ability. We'll see when the actor rankings come out in episode 150 or whatever. And also, this show is not as good as the next phase. That's correct. Which is not one of the better TNGs, frankly. No, but it's got Romulans, and it's got... It's got... It's got... It's it's got all all of the same... (laughs) In fact, there's, I mean, there's some senses in which it's worse in that none of what's happening to them physically makes any sense, but in the end it was real. That's right. Like yes. in this one, you'd be like, how come she can walk on the deck? Well, like is... she can pass through walls when she wants to, but she can just sit on the counter without falling through. Yeah. And then at the end you're like, well, that was all her transporter mind. So yes, there's no internal logic. But then like, you do have to ask the same questions in the next phase. And then you're just like. Oh yeah, huh? One of my least favorite parts of the next phase is when I sit around and I go, "Okay, so they can walk." Huh, they're still stuff. breathing air. Why is it? Yes. Why is it only the bottom of their feet do not react this way? What is happening right now? Yeah. So, but we'll get to that. Listen, later. they're out of phase, but they might still be affected. That's the part. That part doesn't bother me. The part where they appear to walk on the floor. There's an explanation for that that makes some sense. the The real problem is how can they breathe? Yeah. What is, What is their biology at this point? Right. <laughs> how does this work? Um, that's all the quick hitters I got. Uh, this one is very hard to name a best actor. Boy. It's not hard to name a worst actor. The worst actor is very easy. It's Hoshi. Yeah. The best actor, uh, I gave it to Trip. I thought Trip had the, and I know he wasn't real in all those scenes, but like, I, no one did any acting that I actually liked in this episode. I thought he came the closest. Yeah, it he's Trip. almost could have been Mayweather, but Mayweather's kind of a hairy cam. Trip was Trip, and that's enough to keep him near the top yeah. of the actor rankings, which we're about to get. Yep, into. yep, yep, yep. <clears throat> so, yeah, best actor Trip, worst actor Hoshi. Did you name an MVP? You said you no, were done with that, I'm and done. then you started doing best and worst actors last week no, for some I just, reason. Uh, if I if it if something strikes me, if I am hit by somebody acting well or not acting well, I'll throw it out there. But I leave the ultimate judgment to you. This is your this is your judgment. 
Right. I'd just be like, if I see someone doing a real stupid thing, I might uh, propose that they are a candidate for worst actor. Uh, ben flipped it, by the way. He gave best to Hoshi and worst to Trip. So yeah, that's kind of we, weird. We like different things, I guess. Yeah. Um. So yeah, let's uh, let's fire up the old Enterprise actor rankings at this point. Yeah, and I gotta say, out of the five series, this is this is the worst collection of actors, right? <laughs> I mean, vo- um. Yeah, Voyager's we're not crazy tough. enough to do cross series rankings, yeah. but Voyager's um, tough. But I, I don't know, man. Oh, Enterprises, not amazing. <laughs> well, it's like who's good? None of them. No, no, no. Uh, well, I don't have anyone we'll, that I would rate as good. We'll uh, we'll talk about it like immediately because we're just about to dive into mm. it. But let's just say this: in the previous two assessments we did on uh, June eighth of last year and November ninth, mm-hmm. uh, Flox was number one both times. Yeah. So he is coming in as the top actor in this series so far. And I would say that I have been impressed by him close to 0% of the time as an actor. So Right. But I am clearing... Well, hold on. Let me... Get in that Landrew spreadsheet. Let me... Uh... Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, should have prepared this sheet for this. Yeah, dog, come on. I prepped uh, for this. We're, so we're go from the bottom up. I will so, say, every time we've done this before, it's just kind of been like, should we do that? And then we jumped into it, and I was not really, I hadn't given it a lot of thought. But I thought about it today. I'm ready. Well, then let's, uh, let's do the goddamn thing, right, Matthew. Do you, do you want me to go first to last? Starting in seventh place, okay. who have we got? Archer. Because well, not only do I not find his acting that convincing, I find it uh, aggressively bad. Like in t- like he's fucking trolling us. His acting makes me mad. I'm close on this. Okay. His, his character is my least favorite. His character Can, is I will say that. Yeah. Uh, I don't care particularly for the character of T-Paul either. Yeah, me neither. But Archer's my least favorite. He's terrible. He's um, all of the things that you would not want someone in that position to be. Having said that, the emotions that Scott Bakula portrays mostly fit with the bad character. It's just not a real person in any way. No, he's just, like you said, his only real acting seems to be, I'm on the verge of tears. And I, think, I find it distressing. I think that the worst actor in this show is Mayweather. He's not good. I've I think I've either had him last or next to last each time we've done this. Yeah, he was. Uh, well, actually, so in the first round, uh, the last place was a three-way tie between T'Pol, Reed, and Archer. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> how, did, how did Mayweather rise above? And them? Mayweather was immediately above. Two was two ranks better than them oh. uh, combined. So, uh, The problem is that he has Harry Kim problem where he says a perfectly normal sentence and it doesn't sound like human speech. Yeah, I, um, I actually haven't noticed that as much lately. There was a period of time where he could not deliver a line like, um, the one where he was a boomer and he met, they met those other boomers and he had a lot of lines and he delivered them all very badly. But lately he's been just kind of still kind of mannequin-y, but not. Not as bad. To me, anyway. I have him at the bottom, but okay. anchoring through, I do have Archer next. Okay, and I have Mayweather next. 
Okay, so this is not controversial. These two no. clowns are going to be tied for last place. Yeah, they fucking suck. I feel bad. Mayweather seems like such a nice boy, but the guy who p- portrays him is um, really seems emotionally dead. Who do you have in at five? Um, I'm looking at the, where you placed your cursor, and I wonder if that's what you have next. Or if that was just where you wanted to place it. That's cheating, but yes. <laughs> I have T-Pole. I have T-Pole as the next one. You have T-Pole in at number five. Yeah, and again, I know a lot of this is your character, but I don't think... I don't think based on what we are supposed to believe about Vulcans, and I know this show is breaking a lot of new ground with Vulcans, I don't think she comes across as very convincing as one of them. Okay, yeah, why not? With regard to breaking new ground as Vulcans, uh, it is weird when you think back on it how little Vulcans have actually been covered. Yeah, well, there was was Spock the half-Vulcanian. Yes. Um, We see his daddy in one episode. And then random Vulcan guest stars. Right, but never much of a deep dive into Vulcans. Yeah. Just, uh, we do hear just a lot of um, what people think about them. Yes. Uh, well, uh, this won't surprise you. I had Hoshi in at number five. Yeah. This is a drop, by the way. In our, well, I don't know where you have her, but in our first ranking, she was in third place. Yeah. In our second ranking, she was in third place. Now I've got her all the way down at five. Well, I have her next. I have her at four. I see. Um, in at four for me is, uh, is T-Paul also. Okay. So we've been flipped on six, seven and four, five. Right. Uh, for, I, I just want to say about Hoshi, I, I don't think she's good. I think she's no. a bad actress. But yeah. um, but she's on a bad cast, so she's yeah. not the standout bad actor. There are things that she can play, and but that is only light. I she can play, she I'm smiling, was... and um, we're having a pleasant conversation, and I think that's all she can play. I thought she was solid on that Riza episode. Where she was just getting hers? Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. I think she can play. She just got her groove back in that episode. I think she can play pleasant. I don't yeah. think she can play dramatic. I think she can play. I'm smiling, having a nice conversation with somebody, and I think that's about it. So boom. Um, I'm putting Reed third. I'm I would put him lower if it was possible. I'm in agreement. <laughs> it's like uh, he sucks. Yeah, but it doesn't. His, his doesn't it feel like sucks and his acting is not great. Th- but doesn't it feel like his acting matches the character? Like yeah, that's exactly. And also, like yeah, I just you just, I just can't put him any lower. I know. Yeah, where would this guy be on uh, on some of the other casts? So give me your top two. All right, let's do this. Like uh, we're announcing Miss World or whatever. Uh, I'm just gonna announce uh, the fucking. The, I want to ask the winner. Fuck the runner-up. The winner is um, Flocks. Yeah, uh, this is going to be unsurprising. We're in consensus here. He is the character who, uh, although he is playing a weird, a-, a weird alien who is clearly a weirdo. Yeah, uh, he still somehow seems like a person that could exist. When he says things, they sound like reasonable things that people say. Exactly and the way they're delivered. So, so you know, uh, this is damning with uh, no, yeah, this is damning with faint praise because in the in the overall rankings. Uh, across all characters, like I would say that Flocks would be lower than a Neelix or a Quark. 
Hmm. And he is playing yeah. that role. I think they have not even bothered to try to stretch him as much as they've tried to stretch Neelix. Yeah. So I don't and even I, know what he's really capable of. I guess the equivalent character on TNG is Guinan, and he's not going to be Guinan either. <laughs> no. So, like, of the characters who are the outsider perspective fourth or fifth lead, yeah, uh, he's at the bottom of the list. But he's number one on this show. It's really a bad cast. Yeah. It's rough, right? It's a bad like, cast with bad characters. It's bad. They're doomed from the start. Like, and here's how you know we are actually making these distinctions between actor and character, because Riker the character is amazing. I love Riker. I love seeing him. I love all the scenes he's in. Frakes the actor is very bad. He's, like, really distractingly bad, where he does a thing and you notice he's doing a weird thing. And you go, he is what is he doing? Distracting. Like, so, we, I am able to tell the difference between character and actor. But this is bad on, like, across the board, these are bad characters and actors. Uh, third consecutive assessment, by the way, Flox is in at the top. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of movement, uh, Hoshi has dropped a fair amount from our initial assessment. Yeah, she keeps dropping. Uh, Trip has moved up a place, but he had already done that by the second assessment. He had moved from third to second on the rankings. Yeah. Um, Archer. Archer has finished last, second to last, and last. Yep. Actually, Reed seems to be a, a high riser here. Reed's that gone is up true. each time. Reed has come up, but I think not by doing his own work. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, this is the point you were trying to make about the lead. Yeah. Here's our guy, Archer. Yeah, he's the one. He's the. This is what all the press releases before the show came out was about. Look, they got Bacula. Yeah. Yeah. And he has got the worst average score. He's, he's terrible. Yeah, exactly. So, that's a real bummer. Yeah, we'll, and we'll talk about it when we get to DS9. Like, Cisco could be good, they don't use him. You know, Janeway could be good. They don't use her. Yes, but like Cisco. So as with Hoshi, where she has scenes that she's good in. Yeah. And scenes that she's bad in. Cisco is good in a bunch of contexts. Yeah. None of which are the main context. And that's the problem with Cisco. <laughs> yeah. It's like you got to use you got to. It's not just about the talent. You got to use the talent. You know, you got to use them yeah. the right way. Um, But before we can get to that. Also, you, I'm just going to point out your chart says 516, 2017, but it's 2018. Sorry, it was, uh, it is 2018, it was distracting you. me a lot. Um, uh, you know, I think you probably have edit permissions. No, that's true. I can just make the change myself. <laughs> Here I go. Uh, before we can get to DS9 and rank Cisco, um, we uh, are going through uh, TOS, where this week we watched The Doomsday Machine. Enterprise is going on like a kind of like a whale watching tour, but it's just of ruined solar systems. Yep. And uh, <laughs> they're just they're flying through some solar systems that used to exist, but now are just rubble. And uh, they detect uh, they detect uh, a, a floating uh, dead USS constellation, mm-hmm. and um, they beam over there to investigate and see what's going down, and they find a crazy old Commodore Decker who is some kind of crazy person. 
Turns out he uh, he encountered the, whatever the reason was for blowing up all these solar systems, the cause of all this destruction, and uh, it took his crew too. He beamed them down to some planet, tried to evacuate them, and that thing blew, blew up a planet. And now he's yep. all crazed. Um, he uh, they beam him back over to. Does he beam over? Or does he shuttle back over to Enterprise? Uh, they beam him over. They beam him back over to Enterprise and. Kirk and... Uh, Shuttling over would have been a nice touch, but they beamed him over. Yeah, they beamed him over. Um, Kirk remains on, on Constellation um, for plot reasons. Yep. And um, Decker decides he's going to go on uh, he's going to go on a bit of a revenge mission and he's going he's gonna to kill this this solar system killer that took his crew. And he commandeers the Enterprise. He 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 removes Spock from command to go after this motherfucker. Um, and you know, just like with the constellation, uh, he's met with some pretty limited success. He can't hurt the thing. It's made out of uh, what solid neutronium, neutronium. Uh, a pure neutronium hull that they can't really harm in any way. And That's he, a real material, by the way. He's putting the he's putting the ship in danger. Um, and so they got the thing that sometimes happens in sci-fi where they're they're trying to figure out if they can relieve this guy of duty <laughs> yep in tng this would be easy because he would just have to like he'd say one thing that was a little bit out of character and then they'd have a little mutiny meeting in their quarters he'd go down to the he'd go down to <laughs> 10 forward and sing a song and everybody would be like no 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 no, no 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 we have to take over the ship <laughs> it's like oh wait what what happened <laughs> maybe he's just in a good mood um, yeah well, Spock's not on TNG. I mean, we've got Data, but Data's buck wild. So. It's true. McCoy is perfectly willing to remove him from command. He's like, "What? I got All I gotta do is say he's crazy. I say it. He's it's crazy. done. He's crazy." And then Spock's like, "Now nah, you'd have to like prove it with words and uh, documents. You, you got to have enough evidence for you have to. I, I have to know that you didn't just say that. Which for some reason is surprising to McCoy and disheartening. You, you can't do that in front of me, McCoy. I." I yeah. understand. Spock Spock is willing to challenge uh Commodore what's his name, but he's not willing to step over the step over the line and do something against regulations. So anyway, dude keeps taking him into combat against this thing and he can't hurt it. Kirk's just sitting over on Constellation doing his thing, twiddling his thumbs. Yep. Um uh eventually Kirk orders Spock to uh take to disregard out. regulations and take command. <laughs> he's yeah. I think he lose this regulations be damned. And uh, so Spock does take command, and then Decker, as he's being removed to, I don't know, the brig or his quarters or whatever. Uh, sick bay. Sick he's due bay. for a medical exam. Does some kung fu shit and beats a dude's ass and steals a shuttle and goes to suicide his way into this doomsday machine, which um, looks like a big old, a, a big old weird cornucopia in space. And uh, so he flies the shuttle in, and he blows up, and nothing really happens. Um, but it gives... Kirk an idea that if maybe he did it with something a little bigger they might have the desired effect and he thinks he's going to fly Constellation in and blow it up inside of this motherfucker right into his big gaping maw yep Uh, so uh, anyway they do that and it kills the thing right I mean that's it yeah yeah, I mean, look, uh, there there's a bit of business on the Enterprise about can they get the transporter working in time to beam Kirk out yeah, 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 the, some Et plot cetera. stuff where they're like, but oh, is it going to work? He doesn't intend for it to be a suicide mission, so all of that drama is kind of, it's just filmmaking. Yeah. So, this was one that we were looking forward to, 
Um, what did you think they were trying to say with this? I mean, uh, I think what they're trying to say is doomsday machines can serve no good purpose and should never be built. So in the beginning, they do talk a lot about, uh, well, when Kirk has one of his wild theories that turns out to be 100% accurate. (laughs) Or, by the way, or not, they don't look into it. No, but he's sure it is. He's morally certain it's accurate. Uh, They do talk a lot about uh, the H-bomb. They swing back on it at the end, too, when Kirk says, because they... So what kills it is not that he flies the ship in there. It's that he sets the impulse engines to overload. Right. Which makes it into an H-bomb. Right. The big doomsday weapon of the 60s. And when that blows up inside, and so then he has a little bit of business with Spock where he says it's probably the first time ever that uh, a doomsday device was used for a constructive purpose. Right. Which, by the way, it is not. (laughs) Right. It's still destructive. But, um, and I thought about other takes, Hmm. but frankly, the only other, see, the only other thing that's happening is this bit with, uh, Spock and, uh, Decker. Yeah. And, um, that resolves real early in the episode. He, he, Uh, uh, okay, so what, what happens, I believe, is that these episodes are always too long for the writers. That right. they don't know how to do it. And so, yeah, I think Decker does get in his shuttle and fuck off a little bit earlier than, than yeah, maybe yeah. they Decker meant. is not... Decker is out of command by uh, about the 36-minute mark. Right. And he's he only takes command at eh, around the 15-minute mark. Maybe 14, 15 minutes. Hmm. So he is a threat for only the middle third of the episode. Right. Uh, anyway... Uh, I was initially going to not give it very many points on this Doomsday Machine shit. But in the 60s, there probably were lots of people who were sincere believers in deterrence and mutually assured destruction. Oh, yeah. And having the biggest and best hydrogen bombs and shit like that. This probably was a take that was worth doing. Yeah, it's something that we uh, have talked about in a few other episodes where we have to keep the time and in mind right. of when these episodes came out. Um, it's still, it's not a Star Trek resolution to the problem, because right. they just blow it up. Well, I don't, and, think there, I don't think there can be a resolution to the problem that, that right. you're positing about Doomsday Machines, because everyone's going to keep building them. Well, that is the thing, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a five-point take for me. And that's giving it credit for being a take that was politically useful at the time. Yeah, I also gave it five with the kind of straight down the line uh, to revenge is folly take. Oh, well, I mean, so that's the thing, right, is that Decker is Ahab in this. This is Moby Dick. He's losing his GD mind because he feels guilty. Uh, This this bugle in space wronged him <laughs> yes and he must and destroy it he'll blow up all of starfleet if he has to destroy this thing that's right so i that's the one that i went with but it was still just a five to me we've done this before on on um another episode i'm trying to remember which one <laughs> where we gave different takes with the same score no well we do that all the time that's but, happened a bunch of times um no the, the revenge to revenge is folly that's come up in a different one i'm trying to remember which one might have been um <sighs> Something about, uh, I think the uh, one where a dude was selling weapons to those people. Admiral, what's his name? 
Oh, Jameson. I think it was. So, I think we had a take very close to that where it was like, man, that that was so early that my notes for that are still in Evernote. I gotta get those out and put them into Google. I don't even save my notes. I figure no one wants to see them. But how can you refer back? I don't. I don't. I do it like this. I go. I think sometime a long time ago, I wrote something <laughs> like this. It was something see, like, like this. I could go up there and say, "Too short a season." Mm-hmm. Too short a season was week 15. If I check my week 15 notes, my take was... Who bears responsibility for putting right the mistakes of the past? Yeah, I had something very similar to that, but it was kind of like the how pointless it was that he was trying to write this wrong or whatever. Uh, anyway. That was a four for me, probably in part because that's a question. The questions always get low scores. Yeah. That's a weak take if you can only phrase it in a question. Anyway, so it was pretty straight down the line. I gave it a five. So you gave it a five. So let's talk about execution. Swing to execution here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> most of the action in this episode, to me, the actual action parts, uh, Decker looking to revenge himself upon this alien machine. Uh, whatever. Nearly leads to the Enterprise's doom, but of course it won't. Um and in the end, cost him his own life. Pretty standard stuff about a bad man's quest for revenge. That good, good Captain Ahab shit. Um, more interesting was trying to figure out what Decker actually wanted revenge for. The death of his crew, or feeling like a shameful coward? Because it's not entirely clear which part upset him more. The part where his crew died, or the part where he was so feeble? Uh, it's a good question. Like, in his own mind. Um, I don't think we ever really get the answer. Is it interesting at all? Because we're not going to talk about Decker and characterization. Yeah, no, we're not. Is it interesting at all that when he gets command of a starship again, he's a lot more stable? Like, it's... that he slots into that context. As soon as he's on the bridge, he's a lot less broken than he was on the Constellation. Yeah, I think the helplessness broke him. I think yeah. just sitting there on the dead ship, knowing that that thing had gotten away and that it was probably going to go on and kill like lots of other galaxy or solar systems or whatever, yeah, made him lose his shit. And then when he thought he had a fighting chance again, he, you're right, he like he sort of back. rallied, you know. Yeah. Um, effective music choices. The music when the constellation was found adrift was kind of like it almost reminded me of Wing Commander music when the when the mission's gone bad. Yeah. Like you're you're gonna get the golden sun for ejecting, but, but that ain't good. It's putting you on the bad mission track. You're gonna have to see Redbird in a minute. Yep, and Turtle, right. Turtle, whoever. <laughs> you're you like, wait, see, who the fuck are these guys? You'll be like, oh no, they're adding new characters to the <laughs> roster. That ain't we, good. We are definitely on the failure path. The fucking uh, you fought hard but lost the war to the Kilrathi path. Wing Commander is so good, except for the space fighting, which is not. Good. It, it's. I know it was very hard for them. Everything about it is so are... good, and I want to replay Colony Wars because I have a feeling that it might be a better Wing Commander. Well, certainly the graphics and probably the flight interface and engine or whatever that stuff's got to be better. But it did. I mean, it was but so by the book cool ring, by the book Wing Commander in terms of like, oh yeah, now you're on the bad path. Yeah, like you can. Right. It, it it did that in Colony Wars, probably to an even bigger extent. Yeah, well, yeah, they had the ability to branch out a little bit more, more technology or whatever, it's, but... It's wild that that stopped being a series, a, a type of game that we I, make. I don't it know seems why. like such a fucking no-brainer. I don't know why flight sims or space flight sims are not more popular, because them shits is fun. 
But anyway, if you like watch screenshot let's plays of Wing Commander games, like I think I've watched the first four or five of them. Yeah. Uh, they're very good. Like that's kind of a wild little universe they build there. I know. It's very interesting, but then it's like I emulate every Wing time. Commander every time on... I emulate one and I have to go fight a mission, I'm like, this sucks, Dick. This is the <laughs> worst. The, the engine was not good. Like the Krantz would play the Krant game. I've tried it with like, joysticks. On. I've tried it with joy pads. I just like this game sucks. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, the music I liked uh, when in uh, when in combat with the machine. There's kind of a Jaws kind of theme going yeah. on in the background. So I thought that was really good. Um, so all in all, on execution, I gave it a six. Okay. Uh, I found some problems with it. Uh, I always feel like the drama of these things is, like, it's undercut or it's lessened when it's just some alien culture that did the bad thing. Right. And Kirk and crew just have to defeat it. And you're never even going to come in contact with the brains behind it or anything. It's exactly. Just like, literally, this is just a thing passing through. And they don't even have a moment of dialogue. Like, it's not like they know who did Like, they don't talk to the people about why they built this machine, what they were trying to accomplish. No one in the episode argues that this machine was a good thing. It's like... Nothing about the nature of this fucking thing is really talked about. They just do a just like they're like ah, this is one of those alien cultures where the machine where the machines overthrew the inhabitants. Yep, the, and like, I know this because uh, this I is, looked at it. This is oh, a, some horrible doomsday machine. It's the it's the H bomb. Kirk oh, looks at the camera and says, "Ah, oh, this is the H bomb." No, I mean, and we'll get into it. He literally has never even seen the thing. He has literally only heard the mad rantings of Commodore Decker at this point. That's right, and he has completely sussed it out. He's like, "I know what happened." Yeah, I know about this. I know the entire origin of this. It's thing. some kind of negative universe. And you're just like, what the hell? Every week he does this. So that to me always cuts the drama, and this is a it's a big problem that uh, TOS has. Yeah. I think in TNG, uh, they are much more willing to engage human flaws, and you at least hear why someone might have done a thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they try to pres. Yes, what what Picard is about to say in the end speech is right, but they try to explain to you how the person who did the bad thing arrived at that decision. Yeah. Yes. Do, the char- do you know you what I meet mean? The characters and the characters have motivations, right or wrong. That's like, I mean, it's like you know how the drumhead is so good. Do you know how the drumhead is such man. a good goddamn oh, episode? Man. That's gonna be a good small touches episode. Oh, I'm gonna lose my mind when we get to watch the drumhead. <laughs> Was that season three or four? It's going to be so, like, Four, who do you give best actor to? Because you know who does a great goddamn job in that episode? Simon Tarsis. Oh, yeah. Even Nora Satie, crazy old Nor- lady. Yes. Yeah. And the fucking admiral who just stands up and walks out? <laughs> yeah. Oh! It's going to be good. Don't forget that traitorous Klingon guy. There's so many good pieces of that episode. That's such a good goddamn a episode. Good <laughs> anyway, in this one, they just come across a machine that aliens built. We don't care why. They <laughs> just got to right. kill it. They don't. They don't take it over. They don't reprogram it. It. They don't turn it against itself. It's not an inherent flaw. And no, they just clear. They try to. They just smash a fucking starship into it. Like they literally, they kill it, and so it basically just burns out. Like it's still there. They don't destroy it. It's just dead. And I think they just leave it. They don't even look at it. So that's that's a one problem in here. Another problem is this episode is super fast paced. It was Mm. so crazy that I wrote when the commercial breaks were in my (laughs) synopsis, because I was like. What has been going on here? Because by the time the second commercial break happens, the first one's just after credits, right? So that's four minutes in. Right. The second one happens at 15 minutes, and here's what has already happened in the first 15 minutes of this episode. Hmm. They've 
this thing is destroying solar systems. At least they, two that they've come in contact with. They find the constellation adrift with visible damage. That's before the credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, Decker has given his whole story. Mm-hmm. Decker has gone back to the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Decker has... No, he hasn't taken command yet, but he's about to take command. Mm-hmm. But it's like... The Constellation is in tow. Or they're getting ready to, to tow the Constellation out of there. Like, we've got it all done oh, by, by the 15-minute mark. Kirk has already given his theories, too. That's right. Yeah. By the 28-minute mark, Decker has already taken command... Uh, they have failed to destroy, like, Kirk's got the ship fixed, they've failed to destroy it, and, uh, like, they've already attacked. I mean, it's like, this thing is crazy. And by the 40-minute mark, Decker's dead. So it's like, they just move through it, and his little part where he's got command of Kirk's ship and that puts the Enterprise in jeopardy is already over. Yeah. So. Uh, I gave it a four overall in execution. And just to catch up with Ben, he gave it a six on the take. Uh, level-headed thinking will win out against self-destructive action. So it was still about Decker, but maybe not about the quest for revenge. More like <sighs> a- action at the expense of reason. I mean, I guess, but it's like, okay, well, he's going to say it next. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, it's a bit undercut by the fact that the self-destructive action is exactly what saves the day. <laughs> forgot forgot that this was the death of the uh, Kelvin in the first uh, ST reboot movie. It's very reminiscent of the culminating scene here. Uh, other than that, he thought it was super entertaining. Um, so we give it a four on execution, a six on take. And I gave it a... Uh, I gave it a five and a six, and you gave it a five and a four. Five and a four. Okay, so five we're at four. nine, ten, and eleven between you, Ben, and I. Right, we're in definitely all in the same neighborhood on the top half. Uh, swinging into world building. Yeah, there's some stuff here. Uh, I gave it more than the standard three. I gave it four. Oh. So um, four's not amazing. No, but this We've, is the hardest one to judge. I don't know. I honestly, in my own head even, I haven't figured out what you would need to do in order to get a 10. I think, have you given one a 10? Uh, world building? Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For where uh, no one has gone before? Yeah, yeah. I think where no one has gone before, probably. Okay. I'm, yeah. I may have given another one. Let me... Uh, I just, in my head, I'm like, man, I don't even know like how you would get it. Like, what would you have to do that was... One, not just super important with ramifications. Because ramifications is important. But two, did I hate it? Because a lot of times I fucking hate what they do with I the gave an building. 8 to Balance of Terror. I gave an 8 to Breaking the Ice. I gave a 9 to Mud's Women. Right. I don't remember why. Maybe. Oh, no, I know why. All that mining stuff. That's so good. And the sh- <laughs> he's got the little ship license. Right. Uh, where no one's gone before, I actually got an 8. Yeah, okay. So my so top Mud's score is Mud's Women, actually. Wow. So anyway, mm. I, just in my own head, I, I don't even... I still have not calibrated that one. Well, so. it, here's what's happening in this one. We learn uh, quite a bit about Starfleet regulations. Okay. Uh, all of that protocol for uh, relieving Decker and also Kirk's personal command authority. Yep. Uh, we've got uh, solid neutronium. Uh-huh. Uh, the auxiliary control room. We'd actually seen the auxiliary control room in uh, the one with the probe. The one with Nomad. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What the fuck was that one called? Mm, the Changeling. The Changeling. Uh, see a lot of, a lot of business about the shuttle bay. Impulse engines are fusion reactors. 
100 oh. megaton fusion reactors. We see the constellations insignia in this. That's always fun little stuff. I mean, it's little stuff. So it's mostly the Starfleet regulations. Okay. Uh, we'd seen auxiliary control, but it wasn't clear what you could do from auxiliary control. It was just another room. So that that's kind of fleshed out a little bit here. By the way, crazy place to put that probe. As Yes. Yes. This is what we complain about every week. In some of these shows, they're, some of these shows, they're not really using their heads. So none of that stuff is major, but there's enough little stuff there that I gave it a four. Okay. Yeah, I had uh, USS Constellation, L-370 and L-374 systems destroyed. Have we ever talked about how phasers work? Seriously, have we? Phaser banks can be exhausted. Yes. It's kind of like a battery running out of juice? Yes. Okay. But uh, but if other stuff has gone wrong with the ship's engines, the phaser banks might still have their charge. So it really does seem like it uh, actually is like a, a capacitor or something, right? Where yeah. you have to charge it up and then it can fire. At least, at But this it'll point, hold that charge? At least at this point in Star Trek, that seems to be how they thought right. it worked. Uh, anti-proton weapon beams, apparently, yes. is what the, the, the stupid bugle in space uses. Uh, the Rigel Colony. All the Starfleet regulations about Commodore Crazy taking command. Um, and being relieved of command. If that thing can carve up planets, how are the Enterprise's defenses so effective? Is it that it can't cut through shields? I think that must be, right? Because it's just blowing up planets like nobody's business, but the Enterprise gets, takes hit after hit, and it's just kind of mm. shaking around. And whoever built it, like... Well, I guess it doesn't matter if the planet has shield. Like, if some areas of the planet are shielded, if the whole planet's not shielded. Yeah, planet blows up underneath it, doesn't really matter. That shield's not going to make you happy for long, right? Yeah. Um, it seems like it was not built to fight ships in space. Yes, I think that's I think that's correct. It is. It was just built to not killer. be destroyable easily by ships. Yes. This is. It's not as big a problem as. Uh, Oh, fuck me. What's the name of the Cardassian super torpedo in Voyager? Juggernaut. Mm, Dreadnought. Dreadnought. Damn it. You were close. Dreadnought. Yeah, I didn't understand. Dreadnought didn't make a lot of Dreadnought's sense. Dreadnought's very problematic. I, We've seen I, Cardassian I, ships. They're not good. I like the things about that episode, but the backstory of Dreadnought made no sense at all. <laughs> Just like, wait, what? It's um, so bad it belongs in someone's transporter psychosis. That's right. Maybe we'll find out all of Voyager is a transporter psychosis. It'll be like, uh, what was that? Saying elsewhere? What was the I, thing that... At, at, yes, something like that. At this point in the run, I'd take it. Yeah. I'd be like, um, oh, none of this counts. I had more questions than real the things that I I think are important or matter. I give it a three. Okay. Uh, ben uh, is bully on it, though, right? He gave it a six. Holy shit. Big for world building. Uh, he noted that the... Uh, and the the registry number of the constellation is problematic. It's a silly switcheroo of NCC one seven zero one, but the constellation is a constitution class. But then there's a but later there's a constellation class, class etc. That yeah. doesn't bother me at all. No, the way I mean it, the way in the navy ship classes are named is just what's the first one we built, yeah. and so it's like, you know, like there's a class of frigates that's the Oliver Hazard Perry class. Yeah, it's not a good name for an entire It's class not a good name for a class, and yeah. it's just like Constellation was the first one that they built of that one, and we presume it was named for this Constellation. I believe and that also right. happens a ton in the Navy. Yeah. Like, so we'll just name it after the, the, old, the old dead ship. Which is fine. Uh, where's Nichelle Nichols? Yeah, I don't know. She's on Earth celebrating her mom's 100th <laughs> birthday. They don't bring it up at all. No, it, does, it just literally does not instead. come up. Yeah. Uh... But I think he, he says that 
so I guess he has a problem with Voyager and Enterprise, although I think DS9 falls into this too, where it doesn't seem like there's a second shift of people. Yeah, I know. I never sometimes... Okay, they never... In TNG, sometimes they try to go after that, and they'll be like, oh, someone's taking night shift, but it never really makes sense how it You works. never see those people. No. Well, you'll see, like, Data sitting there and with But, I mean, they scrubs. have 400 different helmsmen in TNG. Yeah. Whenever Wesley Crusher's off doing something else, like in the Dauphin. Oh, yeah. They put someone else on the bridge, right? Yeah, when he's t- doing his engineering duties. Right. Um, and they'll, you know, if Worf's off doing something, they'll have some redhead guy standing up there, or whatever. Yeah. The guy, or uh, uh, Diedrich Bader sometimes. Diedrich Bader even. God, I can't wait for Diedrich Bader to Does he come back or was he already in it? I think he's just in the one. Oh, because of the redhead guy still coming because that's peak performance. That is peak performance, yeah. He gets to say, bye-bye Hathaway. Yep. He's a sarcastic guy. Yeah, he's, I've seen him in 40 other things since then. Um, But in Enterprise, like, we learn in this week's episode, if we can take anything from Enterprise as real... That Hoshi doesn't really have relief. Yeah. They put some crewmen there, but apparently he is totally unqualified to work that station. He just he just pushes go on the Universal Translator, basically. Right. Yeah. And we've never, like... There's no... We never see relief for any of the crew. No, so. not on Enterprise, for sure. And I think Voyager is particularly like that, because they... Well, we'll talk about it. It comes up in Voyager. The episode, the idea of replacing a crewman comes up. All right, uh, characterization. I can, I can, I can hit that. Ben's pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent, with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. Uh, at this point, it's worth pointing out that Ben, uh, who has been scoring this one a little higher than us so far, uh, scored this the highest. He gave it a 7 for characterization, and this is his top score of the week. Uh, He says Kirk does good work in being strategic and trying to get into the fight. And Spock does a good job walking the line between duty and doing what's right. It's true there is an interesting contrast between Kirk and Decker, because Decker, I mean, they've been through different stuff. Decker saw his whole crew die, but he's just sitting there fucking losing his shit on uh, Constellation, and Kirk is trying to think of ways to. Decker is doing... um, and again, I don't. I never count him for characterization. No, sure. But yeah. he's doing some good data tape acting. Yeah, I always like that. And having taking away those data tapes, uh, really limits uh, future captains and crew members because it gives people something to play with with their hands. Yeah. Uh, in a way that like Picard's just gonna have to like do a weird gesture with an empty hand or something, you know. I yeah, I um, I thought you were gonna say he was doing his best Bull Halsey. Oh, he's uh, he's Bull Halsey for sure. I <laughs> wished he'd had a hat. If they had hats in this episode, he would have rendered that thing to fucking shreds. Right, <laughs> he would have thrown it on the ground and stomped on it and gnashed his teeth. That's uh, what no, I thought he, he was he's, doing. He's Bull Halsey in this one. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, Which so I, seven from Ben. That's that's a lot. Yeah, Ben gave it a, a seven. But uh, where are you on characterization? I only gave it a four. Um, Bones is quick with the stims or whatever. He observed Decker for about three seconds before he and shoots him up hypo. with something. Yeah, he he went to that thing like as soon as he seen this dude. Uh, McCoy also delivers the lines as expected of him. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic, etc. Yep. Uh, willing to submit that Decker is nuts and should be removed from duty without even having examined him. Um, 
As always, Kirk comes up with a theory as to the nature and origin of this <laughs> alien killing machine before he's ever even encountered it. Just a few observations from a madman, and he thinks he has it figured out. Uh, yep. The rest of the episode, he's just very Kirk. And just like with Apollo, as far as we know, it's right. That's right, exactly. Apollo and Lazarus. And everything. And negative universe, etc. Mm. Um, Spock firmly contests uh, Decker's orders, but stays within the realm of Starfleet regulations. Until Kirk says, blast regulations. Yep. Uh, weird that they can all smile and joke at the end of this thing. Uh, no shit. Tonally, I know this happens a lot in TOS, but a lot of people died. Yeah. Not only rando aliens that may or may not have existed on these planets that got but blowed up. 400 of their brothers in arms. But yeah, 400 Starfleets. And it's right. been pretty traumatic. And they're and, all just, like, smiling and winking. And they lost four red shirts last week. Yeah. And I know it's just the times they probably got a network note that said they have to end it on a happy note each week. But like, I don't know that part at the end made me drop it from like a five to a four. I was like, woof. Yeah. Look, I definitely did write, uh, the planet killer hangs dead in space and Kirk and Spock make some jokes before leaving the horrifying graveyard forever. Yeah. It was very, it was off new Decker personally. Uh, Not anymore. He's gone now. He's gone. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. So I had a four. Yeah. Uh, you and I are right in line. I also gave it four. Okay. Uh, it's more or less as expected here. Uh, I said two pretty big parts for extras this week. Uh, the Uhura's replacement gets a lot of business. White Uhura gets more lines she than gets black more lines Uhura. than regular Uhura gets. Mm-hmm. I noticed it. I definitely noticed. Um, neither one of them is plot relevant, though. I thought Spock showed a little bit of political skill with Decker. Yeah. Uh, particularly when he tells him... Well, if you if you don't at least attempt to get out of this tractor beam, that's then that's grounds to replace it. you. Yeah. Um. But and obviously we get to see that he like there. It's not he doesn't cite a regulation after Kirk orders him to take command on his personal authority as captain of the Enterprise. Spock doesn't cite a regulation or anything for that. He just does it. He obviously like values Kirk's authority here. Right. Oh, obviously, I think. Spock is not supposed to be particularly career-minded. I'm sure yeah. he knows that at this point, nothing bad's going to happen to him as a result of this decision. But it's also, you know, that was that was what pushed him over the edge. So that's, right. you know, that's a little character moment. But I, again, only a four, really. Well, it sounds like we were in agreement on the last bit. You got some, uh, some quick ones? Yeah, I have some. Um, they're mostly questions. Uh, did they not know Constellation was operating in this sector? It doesn't seem like there can that there are enough ships that they might, would not have that information. Yeah, like, it seems should... like they should know that Constellation was there. Yeah, like did they shouldn't come across it randomly in space and go, huh? They don't talk about it, but did Decker hit some other rubble planet somewhere and followed the trail in, or like I don't know? Yeah, uh, I wrote that there was some new music for this one. I noticed that. Yeah, uh, where's Uhura? Uh, they say there's no devil, Jim, but there is. Right out of hell. I saw it. <laughs> it's a fucking cone. It's a cone in space. It's the devil right out of hell, That's the though. devil right out of hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's never been a good Starfleet Commodore yet. Yeah. A lot of remastering went into this episode. It and I'm not really sure mad. any of it was necessary. Yeah, one, is that where all the remastering budget went was just to this yeah. episode. And then two, why? Why? And then also, when they remastered, they didn't correct the Constellation's 
um, registry number. Yeah. Which, it, by the way, it was 1017 because the Constellation is a model kit of Enterprise that they bought at a store. And they just rearranged the numbers. Well, what are you going to do? Yeah. They didn't build another one. and Or, like, just paint numbers. They like that they just bought one, though. I uh, I thought it was a nice touch. I mean, it's this is a talk about a little thing. Hmm. That the Doomsday Machine wasn't on a direct course for Earth. Yeah, for the first time ever. For the first time ever, it was going through the most densely populated part of the galaxy, and there's no reason to believe this thing has to go in a straight line, so maybe Earth was in danger, but it was not. We didn't jump immediately to, it's going to Earth! Its course is for Sector 001. Right. Which, again, the Borg, also, I think... The probe uh, from V'ger. The V'ger probe. V'ger. Also, I think the fried eggs in... um, Oh, were they headed for Earth? I think they were on a course for Earth. Oh, boy. Yeah, it happens a lot. Yeah, but this time there's just like, you know what, it doesn't have to be Earth. The fact that if it did this to one inhabited system, it'd be a bad scene. Right. Um, Why can't Kirk take a shuttle over at the end? Like, they showed us shuttles. They teased shuttles in this episode. Maybe shuttle bay was broken? I they don't know. I mean, but I don't know. I don't right? know. Because yeah. it seemed like he could have... Uh, Scotty probably could have rigged it to blow up from the shuttle bay, too. Like, he could have flip the switch in the shuttle bay and then just noped out. Yeah. Uh, I find stunt doubles a lot more tolerable when they're not doubling main characters. Because I definitely did notice when Decker was a stunt double, but I didn't care. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's true. It wasn't offensive. Yeah. I gave best actor in this one to Spork. Okay. And um, I gave worst actor to Decker. That's probably controversial. Because, again, we both were like, that's Bull Halsey. Yep. <laughs> so clearly his performance was something, but that something was a lot. Yeah, I actually literally have written here, uh, in one of my quick hitters, Decker attended the Shatner School of Acting, but I actually found it effective. So I guess we were not necessarily on the same page. And then I said, except that it makes you wonder how this guy got to be in charge. Yeah, a little bit. Um. Okay. All right. Uh I got some I got some other ones I think. We already talked about Uhura, White Uhura getting way more lines than Black Uhura. She already had she had 30 lines by the time fucking Kirk went over to that constellation. Yep. Um big thumbs down to the remastered Doomsday Machine. I missed the old cheesy one. Uh Also the hand-painted phaser effects where the fucking phaser was hitting cool. the outside and like bubbles were forming but nothing was happening. I liked I, that. I liked it a lot too. Um, TOS is the most obvious when it comes to actors pressing random buttons on their consoles. Sulu trying to break free of the tractor beam was kind of embarrassing. He was just pressing the same button over and over again as hard as he could. He pressed it like 50 times in a row, but he was pressing like his whole body into the button. Yeah, I feel like, uh, although the Elkars system that we'll see in future Star Trek mm-hmm. makes no sense and doesn't yeah. seem like it's possible to use it, uh... It does prevent that problem to some degree. Where they're just pressing it harder and harder, and you're like, I don't think that's going to do anything, I mean, look, Sulu. let's be honest. I've called it out several times already that uh, it doesn't seem like what what people are doing makes any sense on the L cars. But... And I've called out that Data taps it weird. Yes. Data, does, data definitely taps it weird. But something about GOS, they, they just make it so... They're hand-acting with it. And then Spock came in and was randomly pressing buttons on either side of Sulu's console, and it was just, I don't know, I found it all very distracting. 
Uh, I had, again, stuntman fight along the usual zany lines. Um, then I think I just stopped. I stopped taking quick hitters, I think, at that point. I mean, past a certain point, what can you do? So I guess it's time to get into the actor rankings on this mofo, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, uh, we have an addition Yeah, in this actor ranking because in previous ones, there was no checkoff. Yeah, we removed Rand. Rand was in there, and then we took her out for the second edition. Right. Because she and was she's no longer still, around. She's still gone. Yeah, she's going to remain off. But we finally get to add someone back in, and it is Chekhov. That's right. That's right. Spell it the bad way, the way they spell it. Thank you. I always... I, I know, you want to spell it the good way, the way it's spelled. Well, look, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they're both transliterations. Oh, right, exactly. It is not. So it kind of doesn't that. matter that much. It's kind of it. like when, uh, if someone has a Chinese name like sure. Lou, and you're like, another guy has a Chinese name, but he spells it with two U's, and you're like, well... Yeah. Yes, yeah. I, someone yeah. is making a decision, right? I like, agree entirely. The, uh, the romanization of other alphabets uh, is problematic and stupid. Right. Uh, although... Why can't we all just, like, read every language? That would be much easier. Although Cyrillic is kind of one-for-one one with English, so it shouldn't be that difficult. But anyway, yes, I've added Chekhov to the list. Uh, so we're doing this reverse order like last time? Yeah, let's. Uh, we're going to have seven characters this week. So let's start with uh, number seven on your list. I feel bad about it, but I have Sulu at seven. <sighs> so uh, let's like dig he's into real that. cheesy he, and hammy to me. He's I don't know. disappeared a little bit. He yeah. was in the first know, ten episodes. Yeah, and even sometimes had lines. And had lines, and like, they weren't always great. I definitely did not love him standing on that planet just firing a pistol. No. <laughs> no. Uh, but, yeah, whatever. Um, so, look, Sulu... Uh, well, you don't have to agree, this is the point. Well, no, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm just trying to consider whether I like him more or less than Chekhov. So, yeah. Sulu was last in the last round. Yes, he was last of, uh, but we had six at the time. Uh, he was, he, yeah, he was sixth of six. We agreed those. he was six. I've just, I have seen so little, we haven't seen a ton of Chekhov. Yeah. I haven't seen anything I liked, is right. the trouble. Not I even his wild hairdo? Well, I mean, I do love that he looks like he should be in the monkeys. Yep. That's intentional, but I still like it. Okay. Uh, for once, we don't have a switcheroo, because I actually have Uhura at six. Okay. Sulu is my six, uh, to ah. just, be, just to be clear on that. So you have Uhura in at six. Okay. I just, I... um, she's not in it that much. When she's in it, she's fine. It's hard to tell with some of the characters at the bottom, because they're not used that much. This is a show we've talked about many times that yes. really uses three. Sometimes it uses Scotty, but it's really three. Yes. So it's hard when it's people at the bottom and you don't really get that much of them. I'm trying to think of the last good Uhura moment. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, there hasn't been one in a while. Any. Yeah. She, like, her character kind of stepped in um, in the Evil Alternate Universe episode. She Like, her character got into some stuff, but I don't know there was any acting that was necessary for it. Yeah, it's like, do you... Are you interested at all in how she portrayed that seduction of evil Sulu? Yeah, and I did not think it was anything. And I kind of didn't. 
you know, I might have her in at my number five. And by the way, she was in also second to last position before uh, in yeah. the last ranking and tied in last position in the previous ranking. Yeah, and uh, this is where I have Chekhov. I have him in five. I actually don't mind him that much. It's a totally one-dimensional character right now. It's just jokes about Russia and seducing chicks. He's like really, yep. he has done no dramatic acting at all to this point. And um, God, I kind of hope he doesn't because I can't imagine he's good at that. He doesn't seem like good things are coming. <laughs> I mean, I know you love him as Bester. He's, he's excellent. Excellent as Bester in Babylon 5. Um, but not so much in this. He's playing this one thing um, not the worst. That's all I can say. Yeah. I think um, my number four here is going to be Scotty. Scotty is a real mixed bag. He does some portrayals okay. Like when Scotty is Command Scotty, I quite like him. Yeah. But uh, most of Scotty's personality traits seem too quirky to be real. And like, I don't know how much of that is the writer and how much of that is doing. Yes. That's but it's it's enough to it's enough that it keeps him out of the top three. Yeah, I mostly think he's fine. It's just um, he doesn't have a lot to do. He really doesn't. It's really hard to like say he's doing an excellent job because again, they have him be like irrationally attached to girls that aren't interested in him. Yep. Uh, which isn't a good look, but it's not the actor's fault. And then they like have him fix stuff, and it's there's just not a lot of opportunity there. But I think he's fine. But it's like when he. When he, uh, like, jumps in for chivalry reasons, mm-hmm. he's not the same person as Command Scotty. No, Command Scotty doesn't get to show up very often, yeah. unfortunately. But yeah, it was great, like, the time they had to talk that dude out of trying to take over the mission. That amb- Was it Ambassador Fox? Ambassador Fox, Fox yeah. Yeah, that was a good Scotty episode handled Scotty. him. Yeah. Um, so I have him in four as well. I agree. Okay. Um, I'm, uh... F- well, actually, I don't know. I don't remember what how they were last time. I'm dropping Kirk to three at this Boom. point. I, I um, yeah, go on. He's just he's just. I haven't seen. Uh, Kirk's not a real person. Is the problem, the character of Kirk? Yes, um, I agree. Yeah. But I I have him at I have him at two. I have McCoy at three yeah, two. Yeah, so that's where we flip-flop here. I have McCoy in it, too, not particularly because I think... Uh, in fact, uh, McCoy is becoming a little more cartoonish now that they've settled on a catchphrase for him. Yeah. Um, But he still, on the balance, seems more like a person. Um, I have Kirk and McCoy very, very close. I, uh, in terms of the acting. So Shatner and, and um, what's his name? D. Uh, D. Kelly. Yeah, Kelly. Uh, Shatner and Kelly I have sort of close to tied. I just feel like what they have McCoy doing is stupid. It's true. <laughs> and it's I don't very know, true. I don't know what to do with it. Like, I, I, I don't look forward to seeing him on screen at all. McCoy's job is just to complain about yeah, stuff. He either is like a down-home okay. idiot what doctor about, or what about he's sp- irrational. Like space Seed when he's ice cold with Khan. When he's like, yeah, fucking stab me or whatever. That yeah. one? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's okay. Kirk gets to do more cool shit. And, uh, oh, it's true. And I, sometimes Shatner's wild acting does it for me. I, I get, they're very close, though. I think we agree the only person oh, who's... By the way, of the two, it's more enjoyable to watch Kirk. 
Yes, yes. I think the only I think we agree the only person who's actually doing a good job is uh, Leonard Nimoy. Right. Yeah. Then no surprise. Left for both of us in at number one is he gets uh, to do the good face acting. Spork himself. He he has in fact he face acts all over the fucking place and um when he does get to show a little bit of emotion it 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 comes it comes off well when he gets you, to play emotion. I know you meant to say when he shows a glimmer of independent thought. Yeah. He, he strap me down. Inject me the drugs. You call it a treatment! So the new ranking. Spock, Kirk, McCoy, Scotty, Uhura, Chekhov, Sulu. Uh, Kirk and McCoy are tied, but yes, uh, Kirk's higher for historical yeah. reasons here. Yeah. So, uh, next up in the order this week is Deep Space Nine. Do it. We watched Shadow Play. Dax and Odo are on the other side of the wormhole for reasons, Hmm. and they beam down to a planet to discover the source of some unusual particles. Uh, But they're held uh, captive by one of its inhabitants. Uh, I don't want to skip around. He's he's like a down-home country lawman who is out of his league because people are disappearing from his town. Mm -hmm. That's the A story. 22 people have disappeared from the town. By That's the time right. they show up. Uh, B story. Major Kira is keeping an eye on Quark while Odo's at off world. And mm. uh, he's trying, one of his dumb cousins is trying to come in and do some shady business, some smuggling. So we're definitely going to get a lot of great Quark scenes, right? Should be tons of good, good Quark in this one. Yeah. C story is continuity from last week. Mm. Uh, Cisco is uh, finally arranging Jake's apprenticeship with Chief O'Brien. And Jake is. Uh, visibly uncomfortable with some aspect of it. He's got a secret. He's got a secret. Yeah. Okay. So here's what's happening. In the A story. Yeah. Uh, Odo uh, gets caught up in this mystery. Yes. People are disappearing. He's got to help. It's important to him for reasons. We don't yeah. really know why. It's just part of his character. Well, I guess. He's a lawman and he wants justice. That's right. So they start looking into some shit. I don't know if you remember the film noir episode that they did where he said the word justice 5,000 times. He did say it quite a bit. This one's not about justice because there's no punishment aspect here. No, but he's got to figure this out. But he has to, he has to find the missing people. Yeah. Um, the town elder is like this old dude and he's like, yeah, they're, I don't know. They're just gone. We're never going to get them back. Yeah. Let's just say, uh, when they disappear, none of them have come back yet. Uh, FYI, I'm dying. Yeah. And then, uh, and then when they investigate, they discover that these people uh, lack one particular aspect of curiosity, which is they never leave the valley that they're in. Right. So Odo's idea is basically that people are either running away or they've been kidnapped or that they're out of the valley for some reason. Let's cut back to the B story a little bit. Mm. Uh, Do we have to? I don't know. <laughs> They take the little girl of the most recent missing person out to the edge. I'm just going to do the A story then. They okay. take the little girl out to the edge of the valley. Yeah. And she takes him to the farthest tree that they've ever been to. By a strange coincidence, if you go like 10 more feet past that tree, 
uh, you just straight up disappear like we're in the big goodbye. Like Cyrus Redblock, yeah. Like Second Cyrus mention. Redblock. Second mention for Cyrus. The first transporter guy. First transporter. That's right. Exactly. He stepped off the holodeck. Yep. So uh, Odo and Dex are like, well, uh, these people are all holograms. Yeah. And then they make the crazy decision. Let's tell them. Yeah. So they tell everyone they're holograms. Uh, off screen, we never see it. The whole village goes out to this thing and experiences it. Mm-hmm. So we cut back to the town square where everybody has uh, accepts that they're holograms. Uh, and now uh, Dax uh, proposes to shut off the hologram generator and fix it and turn it back on. Okay. Uh, for whatever reason, the town goes along with this idea. Yeah, what's even the worst though that happen? it seems like kind of a lot for them to process. Probably half of them were just like. I don't think any of this is real. I think if they turn off that generator, we just don't have electricity. Hey, what do we use electricity for here? How, how does life work on this planet? What's going on? Yeah. Uh, so they agree to do that. Um, but when they shut them down, ooh, there's this old man. He wasn't a hologram. Uh, the one who's dying. He is a refugee from the Dominion, and he made this fantasy life for himself after he watched the Kevin Uxbridge episode of TNG. Yeah, he did. And he watched it good. He uh he just wants to go home to die. Because yeah. it's like, none of this was real. This ain't real. Who cares about these people? They're holograms. Yeah. Uh, but Odo and Dax convince him that he cares about those people. And also that they're real. Yep. In some sense. Okay. They do a kind of a who's to say. Well, I think what they do is... Uh, half a, well, halfway the, to a measure what? of a man? Yes, you know what? We'll get into it. <laughs> they do a half, half a measure of a man here. Yes. And, uh... Uh, and he go like, well, I guess turn him back on and I'll die here. Whatever. Yeah. So no, it the, seems like they like uh, incept the idea into his mind. Because he's of. like, he's like, I don't care about these guys. And they're like, but don't you care? And he's like, I do care. Exactly. <laughs> because I love her. Yeah. I love my imaginary granddaughter. Right. So yeah, I guess he cares in the end. <clears throat> uh, anyway, they fix the generator and then they leave everyone in town to come to terms with the crushing existential dread of their yeah. existence. He's like, just don't tell them that I'm not one of them. Let's all believe that we're all holograms. and that uh, Yeah. Uh, B story. Quark tries to distract uh, Kira by uh, inviting Vedic Barile to the station through oh. a monk who owes him some money. Oh. They do some mooching. Yeah, they do. And, uh, but then she figures out what's up and stops Quark from doing his thing, whatever. Yeah, whatever uh, scheme he was going to have. And uh, C story. Uh, Jake doesn't want to go to Starfleet Academy, and he has to have a hard conversation with his dad. Yeah. But it goes well. well his dad's like, dad. oh, do what makes you happy. What is the future? Like, it's not like Starfleet Academy is anything. Yeah, we'll get into that, too. <laughs> All right. So, now the episode is over, and we're yeah. left with the uh, fundamental question, what was the point of this? The fundamental question we're left with is, what is life? <laughs> <laughs> You know, just another rumination on <clears throat> what kinds of artificial intelligence count as life and which don't. And, like, it's kind of the opposite of a lot of episodes where they're like, a harsh reality is desirable compared to a wonderful fantasy, which we've already done, like, four times. This one's kind of the opposite in the end. But, um, yeah. but what is life? Question. So I'm guessing this is not a high-scoring take for you. I gave it a three because it's a profound question, but it's... Also hackneyed, 
and been covered 50,000 times already. So I just gave it a three. I'm going to tell you right here, I struggled with this one. Yeah. Um, but eventually I went to Memory Alpha. Oh, did they tell you? It turns out that the the people who made this did have something in mind. Oh. And the take of this episode, Feels like Matthew, cheating, but okay, go on. Is appearances can be deceiving. No, wait a minute. Because, uh-huh. okay, let me connect it for you. I want to connect it. Give me all three plots. Tell me if all, tell They me think if I'm all right. three of them tie in. All right. So obviously, appearances can be deceiving. Uh, this this village of people ain't people at all. They just they just some holograms. That's correct. Okay. Uh, Kira thinks that this Vedic Burial booty call is just like some really good fortune, but really it was it was all set up. It's got a purpose behind it. That's Quart- correct. Quart- That's what I think that one is. Scheme on, and you know, Jake appears to like that communicator that he gets as a gift. <laughs> but he doesn't want to be in Starfleet, even though he really likes the communicators. Did I get that uh, one? By the way, great. That's a great moment. That's the best moment of the episode. <laughs> Cisco gives him a communicator so he can go work on O'Brien's crew. And for a minute, Jake looks like pretty pleased. Like, yeah, oh, like, my old man likes me. Yeah. And then Cisco has to fucking cut him down by saying, oh, it's part of the job. Yeah, everyone gets it's one. What I just what I just did not significant or special. Literally everybody gets one. Yeah, so... everyone's got one. That's cool though. Good for you. Okay. Uh... Um, here's <laughs> what they here's how they think appearances can be deceiving relates to Jake. Okay. I mean, he should want to go to Starfleet Academy, right? But it turns out he doesn't. That's not appearances can be deceiving. Well, you'd think Does he'd he want to go to the to Academy to like go? his dad. Ugh, all right. What? Yeah. Bad job. So that's what the take is supposed to be for this episode, and uh, we'll talk about execution in just one minute, but mm. uh, that's a boring-ass take. I gave it a three. Okay. Is it cheating to look up exactly what the writers said they had in mind? Look, or- it's, as a, would you prefer I no-taked it? <laughs> yeah, well, that doesn't matter to me. I don't have a horse in the race. I just <laughs> Because here's the thing. This uh, To me, this is not a measure of a man, because no. they have made up their mind immediately. Like there's no there's no contest. It's just one dude thinks it's fake. But so yep. what? Yeah. So uh, yeah. So anyway, they get their three points. Now let's talk about execution. Yeah, I can't wait. This is gonna score really good. This episode. Um, the execution of the premise is real low. Yep, <laughs> I can believe this. The A story is very obvious. Uh huh. And the B and C stories are super tenuous connections. Yes. Now, having said that. I didn't hate watching this dumb show. Okay. The Dominion slow build is working for me. It's still going, man. They just bring them up every once in a while, and never in a good way. I thought that there was a nice touch uh, when Barail realizes he's talking too much about prison camps. <laughs> well, it's not, you know, it's not the best date conversation. Right. Uh, and also, I am awarding a continuity point for Deep Space Nine here. Okay, Not for, for the, the apprenticeship thing, because that was just last week. Okay. But for O'Brien and his cello. Wait, wait, has that been brought up before? We've seen him play the damn cello. Oh, yeah, we did. He played the cello on TNG. Yes, he did, in one of those Before he had a fucking scenes. name, he plays yeah. the cello. Right? When he's still in a red uniform, and yeah. maybe as a lieutenant. I totally forgot that. Um... The Dominion stuff that's happening here. Like, yeah. there's stuff that Odo doesn't pick up on, but once the Dominion arc comes into play, we're going to understand. It's all going to make a lot of sense. Where it's like, 
these people are also refugees from the Dominion. This little girl has a lot of fairy tales about changelings. Mm-hmm. He, that doesn't trigger for him. No, at all. Not. He thinks that this is just a fairy tale or whatever. He, he thinks like, it's just like uh, like we have uh, things about fantasy creatures like griffins and fucking unicorns or it, whatever. Yes, it seems it seems like uh, they just are playing some Aesop's fable role in the story mm-hmm. the girls telling here. But like I could maybe they're maybe they'd be like trickster gods or something. Yeah. Um, he doesn't trigger on that. Uh, also, they mentioned Garrick. So, on the whole, the, it gets an extra point for continuity. I'm giving it a five total for execution. Wow, okay. Um. By the way, did we talk about what Ben thought this episode was? Oh, no, we should. Since we had different takes, we should always appeal to Ben. He gave it a five. He said, oh, shit, this is Ray Bradbury's Martian Chronicles. I guess it's what is real. So answer, still a dumb question. Answer, <laughs> answer three, three different, different ways, ways with three, three different, different plots. plots. So that oh, what is real is kind of the same thing as uh, things aren't always as they appear, right? Yeah, and I guess he somehow thinks all three of the plots count too. Yeah. So I guess that's why he gave it as much as a five. Yeah, I guess they got away with it. Uh, he also gave it a six in execution. I haven't done mine yet, but um, are there really three plots going on here? None of them are great. Uh, the Kira Brile plot with the quark twist at the end actually was a bit unexpected, so there's that. And he gives some points for uh, doing a lot of Ododex, Kira, Jake Sisko work. Um, just like giving everyone enough to do, I guess. That's I guess it. so. He gave it a six on execution. Um, I gave it a four on execution. Okay. They only tackle the take that I had in the scene where Odo reveals his dog witness. <laughs> I mean, reveals that they're all holograms, and right. then like, then that the guy is not one. Um, and the guy's ready to do what would normally be the Star Trek thing and go home to, to shut real it down planet. and go and go live on his ruined world until he dies in five weeks. But then Odo goes, "Yeah, but like, what is life, though?" He right? does. He does ask if life is hard or hard's life. <laughs> Otherwise, this was not really an investigation of any particular take, and more of a space mystery show, at least in the A plot. Uh, this episode was mad filler, <laughs> and you can tell because the B plot was Kira fucks Vedic Barile, and the C plot was Jake is afraid to tell his dad he doesn't want to go to Starfleet. Yeah. I mean, even the A plot is pretty consequence free and only serves maybe as a Dominion Slowbird. Look, definitely. I said they're in there for reasons. Yes. These two people are in the Gamma Quadrant uh-huh. because. They detected some unusual They particles. detected some weird particles. And Odo said and he wanted Odo to go. Was there. <laughs> Odo was there, just trying to figure out what the hell he is. We'll get into it, man. I still have so much to say about this. <laughs> uh, yeah, so a four for me. It was a four for me, and it was only raised to be as high as a four, because like you, I thought this was actually fine to watch. It yeah, was actually this the, fine. This is the thing, is that this uh, we've watched some dumb and bad episodes of Star Trek. This one is actually perfectly pleasant to watch i don't think it said anything but it was fine the bumbling uh town policeman i liked Mm -hmm. quite a bit um the little girl is as good as the kid actors are gonna get she was uh in the imaginary friend (laughs) yeah she's just clara from imaginary friend for Um, sure but um but you know (sighs) renee aubergenois does a little too much of i'm acting with a kid yeah he's good with kids as odo about it but also uh but in general he's fine it, yeah, it, they, they don't they don't get into why he's so driven here kira was in an episode for the first time in ages it didn't yeah. do much but you know she had like four or five scenes but they were scenes that you that could have been in a play so she did them good and we agree that the best cisco scenes are cisco and jake scenes that's right so you know it's it was perfect, perfectly pleasant to watch yeah no problem at all uh world building yeah how are you on world building here 
Unusual particle field on the other side of the wormhole. Omicron particles are hella rare because they're formed by matter-antimatter reactions? Cert, only very specific matter-antimatter reactions. They can also be manipulated to act as replicators or holograms. Yep. Um, Cardassia 5. I think it's clear from previous episodes and just the context that that's how they name their colonies and it doesn't indicate the fifth planet in the Cardassia system. It's confusing though. It's definitely is we don't know anything about Cardassia. Previously seen stuff on Cardassia 3 and maybe others already and it never seems to be in the same system as Cardassia Prime. Like when they went to that prison that planet is. on Cardassia 4, yeah. or to the to bust Lee Nollis out of prison. Uh, that did not seem like the main Cardassia I, zone. That's what I'm saying. I think that's how they named their colonies. Like, can you imagine if that had been Mars? You and know I what am, I mean? Like, yes. What? Why are and, there not 50 Federation ships here? And I am just guessing, but yeah. I think from context that that is what we should be getting from that. No one thought about what Cardassia should be. No one has yes. considered it at all. Exactly correct. Uh, on this planet, changelings are a dang old myth. Uh, spring ball is all the rage on Bajor. Yeah, uh, Dominion Slowburn. I gave it a four for continuity. Uh, oh, that's right. But I put my continuity point somewhere else. Yeah, you put it in execution. Um, because it's continuity of the characters and not continuity of the uh, universe. So uh, I, uh, it got the standard three for me here. Okay. Um. Uh, we learn a little bit because O'Brien may be a senior chief specialist. Okay. Uh, Bajorans eat sitting on the floor. Oh, all right. I didn't on even a, kind pick of a that low up. table. Okay. Well, it's when they're it's when sh- they're wearing their John McEnroe uniforms. So yeah, I, just, I wasn't even paying attention. You can bet I was clued in. Uh, yeah, right. Dominion and Changeling hints, Spring Ball. We don't know particles. who the first person to dress like John McEnroe was yet, but we know who the last was in the That's 24th right. century. <laughs> Major Kira dressed like John McEnroe. <laughs> uh, ben is even less bully. He's a two. Oof. Uh, another humanoid race that looks exactly human. Another Dominion name drop, Spring Ball. Okay. Um, they only look exactly human if you think that those beads are not their hair. I couldn't really tell. Yeah. Or also, I didn't care. This is, this is the problem. Is it doesn't matter. It's hard to tell if you don't even care. It do, it, look, it doesn't matter because the sixth season of The Next Generation is going to explain it in a way that is not exciting, but at least it explains it. The, you got to think that's a 10, right, in world building? I mean, it is. It's a, that's For sure, that's a 10. That, maybe that's and the benchmark the way, in my head. I don't that's hate the, that episode, so who knows? That might be the benchmark for world building. That's the one that I've been looking for in my head. Uh, that's got the that episode's got the fucking Curlin Nescus. Yeah, dude, he fucking bones out over that shit. Uh, it's that got episode Nudak. could score. It's got Nudak, dude. It's got Nudak. That episode could score high, and it's not great. Yeah, but it might hit our rubric. It might. Uh, we'll never find out. It's season six. That's a long time. Yeah, we'll never get there. Yeah. <clears throat> I think you're uh, up for uh, characters. Yeah, characterization. I I was amazed at how little O'Brien has to do to be likable in an episode. Yeah. Like, it's just dumpy power play, O'Brien. Yeah. But, like, him talking about his dad and his past and stuff in this episode worked for me. Yeah, when he's not angry, he's fine. I thought this was good Jake, maybe the best Jake we've seen so far. He's I don't know if that's because that kid's getting older, yeah. or or they, they just gave him something to do other than eat a Jumja stick with Nog. <laughs> right. Or just be the Wesley Crusher of the show, right? Maybe he's better without Nog. I think he, who knows, right? Uh, I thought Odo was fine. I thought uh, Kira is always good. 
when she gets to do some acting and doesn't just have to say Star Trek things on the in ops. Agreed. Uh, I even, and this is going to be controversial. I even wasn't upset about her romance with Vedic Barile. And you know I don't like sex in my Star Trek. <clears throat> yeah, I don't. I didn't like it. Uh, I'll just say that I didn't yeah. like it. Uh, Dax is still a wet paper bag. Apparently, I wrote Daz here. That's fine. And uh, what's her name? Dax. Daz. It doesn't matter. You teased it earlier. Quark is totally wasted. He's not in the episode. And I was also mad that they just mentioned Garrick. <sighs> but uh, for the characters that were in this, I thought they were actually pretty good. I gave it a six. Okay, I'm not far off. I gave it a five. Uh, Dax is a gossip. The crew That's of, totally consistent, by the way. Yes, the crew of DS9 is just slightly less prudish than the old TOS bunch. Oh, and let me say this, by the way, okay. about Dax being a gossip. I thought that the explanation that she gave in-universe for it, when uh, Odo said, that's a very personal question, and she said, after seven lifetimes, I'm bored Those... with the impersonal questions. Yeah, right. I thought that actually made quite a bit of sense. Yeah. Um, and leading into what I was saying, the crew of DS9 just slightly less prudish than the old TOS bunch. Dax has questions about Odo's intimate friendships. Yes. They're still kind of afraid to talk about sex, but um, well, they're okay, a but little bit better than the TOS bunch. Let's put it this way. How does she know he doesn't fuck a lamp or something? Like, yeah. he could change it to anything. She should, um... She probably shouldn't broach the subject. Like, when he gets horny, he makes his dick a light bulb and he screws it into a lamp fixture. Oh, yeah. that's it for him. That is the one. Uh, And Intimate Friendships made me think of the song by Eddie Kendricks, Intimate Friend. So that is apparently something that someone says. That is a thing. I don't know that one. Oh, it's a slow fucking sex. It's a sex jam. I mean, he wants to be her her intimate friend. Okay, I'm into that. Yeah. Uh, but I was surprised that in my memory, I was when she said that, I went, no one says that. And then I went, oh, Eddie Kendrick said that. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, then she follows absolutely no protocol when she beams down to this inhabited planet. No first contact prep, not even any cursory research. Just yeah, beams that, down into an inhabited village. That sucks, but it, uh, it's also very much like, let's just steal this uh, plinth <laughs> she, uh, from needs a couple, a of, couple of weeks ago. If you said that she needed a refresher, would she just say back to you after seven lifetimes? I don't, like, waste time on stuff like that. Probably, yeah. That probably would be the answer she gave you for that. Yeah. She also displays typical Federation arrogance when confronted by hostile aliens with lower technology. She's so cocky sitting there while Odo beams out as a demonstration. Yes. (laughs) She's like, oh, don't worry, he'll be back in a minute. I bet this dude's pistol will still kill you, B. Yeah, well, here, I mean, I guess it's okay, because that dude... When they said, "Did you have you tried transport?" I guess this is before the mystery uh, thing came up. This is what I have in quick hitters. What I have in quick hitters, but let's jump to it because you brought it up. This guy's mind is blown when he transports out. Yep, he's looking around like he doesn't understand anything in the universe anymore. He is crazed by Odo using a transporter, (laughs) and then Odo says, "Well, didn't you think to see if they'd been transported out?" And he goes, first thing I checked." (laughs) <laughs> first thing he checked yep. was to see if they had been transported out so he is very aware of transport technology he knows and how, how it works to check to see for the traces for whatever is left behind right so when someone transports out so mind blown when Odo uses a transporter he just, I couldn't yeah you're right you're right I almost took a point away because I couldn't <laughs> stop thinking about it I was sitting there going 
what is happening? That guy was totally shocked by the transporter, but it was the first thing he checked. Yeah, that don't make too much sense. Anyway, I bet this guy's pistol would still kill her, so she shouldn't be so cocky. That's true. Uh, Odo goes on random missions through the wormhole, just in case he finds out something about his origin. Yeah, he must be like, is anybody going to the Gamma Quadrant today? I notice, uh, I notice Chief O'Brien's on the schedule with the runabout. Can I, could I get in there? Like, no specific plan or anything, not investigating anything. Why is Cisco okay with this? Dog, Cisco will give anybody a fucking runabout. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when Oda was like, so my dad's visiting the station. <laughs> Can we take a runabout? Anyway, we need a runabout. <laughs> Smash cut to, I remember when Oda was still a puddle of liquid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How many missions does he go on just in case? Isn't he chief of security? Oh, yeah, but all evidence so far is he's very bad at that job. He's He likes to be a detective. He's not so much interested in doing security. I guess that's true. I guess someone else can put up the flyers of Ticks. Plicks, Ticks, a Flick. Plick, Ticks, a Plicks. Ticks, Ticks, a Plick. Plick, plick. I hope we get to meet him later. Is Odo good with kids because he's simple? They don't. By the way, they don't do any work explaining why it might be that he's good with kids. Is it because he sees them as regular people because he's so he has no understanding of what it means to be a child so he just treats them like regular people but adults you know i don't know i don't know it's not clear uh and also odo is definitely down for artificial life forms he's uh he is on the data side of that measure of a man argument i guess if your natural state is some liquid you probably are pretty broad-minded about what could be life yeah cisco wants jake to get a job Back on that Chief O'Brien internship mess. Uh, Cisco must be a good dad, because Jake confesses the Starfleet thing about one day into his internship with O'Brien. Yeah, it does seem like he figured out pretty early on that his dad was going to be okay with it. Yeah, like he doesn't want to tell him. He knows it's probably going to bum him out, but like he totally feels comfortable telling him. And we know he yeah, actually likes the job. They're going to have a real weird talk with the first time he bangs that Dabo girl. Oh, yeah. And by the way, and what I'm saying is we know he likes the job, so it's not even the job. Like, he doesn't yeah, like he because at the end at of that first day, he actually had a good time with O'Brien. Right. So it's not like, oh, man, I'm so bummed out by working with O'Brien, I just have to tell my dad so I can get out of this. He's like, I can't wait to go back to work. Yeah, it was like O'Brien, um, because he wasn't power play O'Brien in this one, yeah. was like, uh, he didn't bum Jake out by complaining about Keiko all day or anything, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so Jake doesn't want to be in Starfleet. I wonder if he's heard of any jobs that aren't in Starfleet. It's a very I good haven't. question, because we haven't. <laughs> I mean, there's always the job of crazy scientist on his own planet. Yeah, I don't think he's that good with the sciences, according to Cisco, though. It seems like not. We know he can read, though, so there's that. That's a good start. Um, and he was very proud to get that communicator pin. He was excited. Yep. Uh, Kira is also excited to get some of that Briar break-off. Yep. And, uh, Listen, she ain't fucked him since the Civil War. I know. It's been a while. That was, like, months ago. And I don't think she's been fucking anybody else. Honestly. I don't get the impression that she's been throwing it around. Because also... it's like Dax is just being so coy about it. Oh, you don't think they've like gotten gotten down and dirty? No. I don't think uh, Kira can make the first move there. No, I don't think so. I think it's Dax's place to make that move because she's been a dude and a chick. And Kira's, Kira's never done this before. 
Not only that, my next note about her is that she seems pretty conservative in general. Yeah, she's a little bit conservative. Yeah, certainly a religious conservative. Doesn't like hearing new interpretations on the prophecies. She's not. Yeah, that's it. right. That, by the way, that was the... <clears throat> what I was hoping would happen here is that Kira would discover that she... Although she was attracted to Beryl... She hated his guts. She, he might... He's not... He's not the weird, like, come live at the temple and touch the orb fantasy. Oh, uh, yeah, he's not, is he? Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe she got caught up in kind of... This is like a fucking archbishop... But I guess they're allowed to do it. Uh, but, like, this is an important person to her. And he let her see one of the fucking magical orbs that are like a relic that does work and does something. Yeah. And isn't just a bone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, this is what you were hoping for. Yeah, that's what I was hoping but for, is, is that she would be like, man, I listened to one of his sermons, and we have some ideological differences. And then, like, you know, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, it's not what happened. Yeah, um, <clears throat> Beryl is maybe the all-time worst actor on this show. He ain't great. If this he, show had no Dax, I would have given it to him. That's what I'm saying. I don't know where to, I don't know where to put him. Maybe it'll come up. Um, but he was also looking for some sweet butch boots, booty. He Whatever. Came, he came looking for it. Uh, he plays spring ball and was once at the Relicith concentration camp. O'Brien. Signed up to be a peon in Starfleet so he wouldn't have to be a musician. I yeah, but then when his dad saw how much he wanted to be in Starfleet, well, hang on, that's not what it sounded like. Yeah. It sounded like uh, you ran away to join the military because you didn't want to talk to your dad about feelings. And I bet that seemed like a great choice on set like three. Yeah, no shit. Or even He's on lucky DS9. he turned out to be good at making transporters work, huh? Yeah, but it doesn't even seem like a good idea to him anymore, right? Like, doesn't he hate no his life? No kidding. Like... He should be like, I should have gone to the Aldebaran <laughs> Music Academy. Right. I think he would have been happier. By the way, no idea whether that's prestigious or not. And uh, clearly Jake doesn't know. No. Quark has got some deep schemes to occupy Kira. But we don't get to see any of it. Um, So it was a five for me. Sorry that was such a long section. I had a lot of notes in there. I mean, this was kind of a character show, frankly. So, it's worth talking about. How about them uh, quickies? Give me ben, them quickies. Ben also had a five in characterization. Um, it seems like he was impressed by Dax, so that's not, kind of not where where I was on that. Uh, not bad by most of the characters. Uh, is he? Because what he says here is Dax is really blossoming into the full-fledged character that the writers had to kill off to help save the show in later seasons. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe he's not impressed by Dax. Sounds like you might not have been impressed. <laughs> I actually read that all the way through. Um... Yeah, I got some quickies, but only a few. Um, you mean I actually, quick by the way, I actually had to pause so I wouldn't miss anything while I wrote down the complaint about the guy in the transporter because <laughs> I was so angry about it. You're oh, mad. that was my only quick hitter. It's just a, like two full paragraphs. Yeah, that's it. That's all I have. Uh, uh, so uh, there are no words to express how unexcited I was that Dax was giving the framing log entry at the start. Oh, yeah, that's like when you see the, the thumbnail for the next episode and it has Bashir in it, and you go, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these, set, these set decorators think I won't recognize the village from thine own self. They are wrong. Oh, whoops, these casting people think I won't recognize Clara from Imaginary Friend. They are wrong. Oh, these writers think I won't recognize the plot of The Survivors. They're wrong because they think you didn't see season six and seven of TNG. They are I, wrong. I did see it. I saw all of those things. Yeah. 
I saw all of them. Yep. That was two years ago in real time. Was it? it yeah, this is season two. Season two is season seven. So two seven. years before that is season seven. Oh, no, you're right. This, oh, shit. Yeah. This was this that's year. Why, that's why they still have that set, because they use it the same This year. was previously on Channel 44. This was immediately prior. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, that's it. That's, I mean, everything else I had in the Yeah, we talked about a lot in of the shit description. Uh, I gave uh, Best Actor to Kira, Worst Actor to Dax this week. That's, I don't know. That seems fairly standard. So... Ooh, time to get into acting. DS9, DS9, DS9. First of all, character roster. Oh yeah, okay, so this is this is a complicated one. We we ain't seen Nog in a couple episodes. I'm not ready to, to drop him out. No. But there are some characters we need to consider adding. Okay. Number one, Rom. I don't know. I don't know what to do with Rom. He hasn't been in the last few. No. He's kind of gone where Nog has gone. Maybe they went together, family vacation or something. No, but he had a lot of work to do yeah. in that episode about the, fuck, in, in, in the one where Odo's film noir. In Odo's film noir, Rom yeah. had a lot of play. Yeah, he did. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know, know what to do with him. I guess we'll leave Let's him leave off. Him out. We'll leave Let's him, leave him out. Now. He'll come back, I'm sure. Number two, Vedic Barail. I feel like we do have to put him in, and I know it might be recency bias because he was just in this one. But, but he's been in a, a grip of them so far. He's been in a bunch of them, and he seems to have stuff to do when he shows up. Yeah. They don't just put him in there for one line or whatever. All right, so I'm adding him in. Okay. Is there anyone else you need added? Yeah, you, you think again, we need adding? Ducat has shown up in a lot of episodes, but not lately. Garrick is hinted at, but doesn't seem to be... The writers don't seem to want to use him. So no need to put them in, I guess. All right. So I think we can do we can stick so, with these guys. We've added Barile. Yeah. That gives us ten characters. Okay. Good thing about adding Barile <laughs> is that I know where to put him. It's you here, so he's number ten for you. For me, he's a he's an easy ten, and I think that there are some bad actors on this show, <laughs> and he is an easy ten. There are some bad actors, but it's a lower percentage, I would say, than in some of the Is he playing some considered. kind of emotional disability? What is wrong with him? Okay, it is a good question, because we know that his brief is that he is playing a political game. Yes. Like, right now, he is aligned with our characters. But yes. we have seen in previous episodes... Well, the first time we fucking met him, he's like, I don't really want to hang out with you guys right That he's, now. like, somewhat for sale? Yes. Like, he's not Vedic Wynn, who is a pure villain. And by the way, has she been in enough to add? Because she would go... She's been in enough to add to characterization. She hasn't been in any lately, and so I don't really feel the need to put her in here yet. That's good, because she would... um, She she embarrasses some of our regulars. (laughs) Yeah, Barile um, is for sure... He was... Okay, they had a run of episodes where the the message of each episode was don't trust politicians, essentially. That's correct. And he was definitely part of that crew. Yes. Uh, but he can't act. I don't, or maybe that's what they wanted the character to be, but I can't <laughs> tell. I can't tell. Okay. Um, I don't love Vedic Barile, and his per- portrayal is weird. I still think Dax is worse. She's my number 10. You know, there was a time where I thought she was coming around, and she seems to have slumped right back down. Yep. I still miss sex, Dax. Mm-hmm. Weirdly the most relatable. <laughs> that's right. Um, well, it's just a flipsy because I have Dax. Okay. So Dax is your number nine. Uh, 
boy, is it a straight flipsy for me? Well, it's up to you. Uh, do you if you think a Jake no, yeah, a frankly, no, I think it is. I think it is. Uh, Jake did good work in this episode. Yeah, and uh, uh, Bashir, Bashir had that episode, uh, the racquetball episode. I kind of liked his side of that episode. He well, for once, the character seemed not like the worst. Yeah, that was a good start. Um, but he was doing a little business where he was walking around trying to get the ketchup, and he did that in a way that wasn't distracting. I don't think we, I don't know that we even mentioned it, frankly. That's <laughs> true. We did go looking for ketchup, and so um, he was doing some physical work through that whole scene, and it wasn't a nightmare. And they gave him some pervy stuff about foot arches in another episode that he delivered pretty well. Oh God, so. right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, in fact, I think I've, I think I've got Jake at number eight. I am in agreement. Jake is an eight, and okay. I do think he's coming around. But he's I think he's—I still... think he's getting better, and I hope he continues to get better. Yeah, right now he's still mainly a child actor. Now here I am in trouble because there are—I th- think I have three candidates for my number seven, and I'm not a hundred percent sure. And that's Bashir, Nog, and Cisco. I am—I'm close. I have Bashir and Nog very close. I have Cisco ahead of them. You have Cisco ahead of them both. I—I uh, I came up with Bashir next. I'm just, I'm trying to think of the last time we had, if we've had any good Nog ever. It's been a long time since we had Nog at all. Because the problem is, Bashir had a couple of moments lately, and I I just don't think I've seen anything from Nog. I'm going to put Nog 7. Okay. Uh, But then Bashir will be in at 6, I think. I think I do agree Cisco's doing a little better than them. Yeah, so then I have, uh, I have Nog at, uh, at 6. Okay. Uh, who's your five? Is that Cisco? It is Cisco. Okay. And I think that uh, he, I think they're starting to hone in on him a little bit. So okay. hopefully he'll get, he'll keep getting better. Now, next for me is O'Brien. I've got him at four. Okay. I think that this is tough because I'm not sure it's Colomini. Right. He's also not showing me that there's something we don't know about this character or some reason he's acting this way. Right. He doesn't seem like he has an actor's secret about the whole thing. No, he seems to be on autopilot. So basically he's like, well, he's beltraning his way through this a little bit. Yeah, he's like, this is the shit you wrote. So here's what I'm going to give you. Yeah. But he's just naturally better than Beltran. Oh, yeah. He's better than Beltran for sure. Um, I have Kira at four. I okay. think she does a lot of things good, and I, then I think she strays into stage acting. She her she does have a strong temptation to stage act, and that's what puts her number three for me, and not higher. And three for me is O'Brien, so we're still okay. we're very close along the way. Uh, I've got Odo two and Quark one. Quark Quark was better in season one than he has been so far in season two. So yeah, I'm a little still... disappointed, but I still think he's above. Odo, and I don't know. Some of that has got to be the mask. Uh, Odo's got a, an even worse mask for emoting than Quark. Yeah, because he's not supposed to be able to know how to do faces. But he's also playing Doesn't a character like with a weird, weird emotions. Yeah, I don't know. It does seem weird because it's like, how can you... You can do a fucking Klingon chair, but you know what? It, I think... Well, okay, it, not even that part. The part where they made the character, they said to the actor, your guy can't play faces good. You know how annoying that would be as an actor? Yeah, that's rough. One, that means like you can't see my face, which actors want their faces shown, but also, like, how am I supposed to emote? 
That's yeah. part of acting. That is <laughs> I true. Mean, Nimoy almost exclusively does face acting. That's a real limitation. Yeah, they, I, by the way, they gave Nimoy big eyebrows. Yeah. To make it easier. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you're Odo, you're like, what the fuck? I think that it actually makes sense. And I think that what you would see, like, if you thought about it in-universe, what you're probably seeing is... He maybe is not great at doing other things either. Like, he's not perfect at him either. But, like, when you look at a chair and it's, it's chair. not detailed enough or whatever, yeah. it just looks like a bad chair. Yeah, it looks like a plain chair. You go, oh, right. it's a chair. And I think if there was someone, if there was a shapeshifter in real life, probably the area that they'd be uncanny valiest would be in the face because that's what we're well, used to reading. We know that with CGI for sure. That right. you can CGI a sports car or a jet fighter, and you're like, oh, that looks fucking sweet. And it's then they try to do fighter. a face, and you go, ooh, that's creepy. Don't do that. That yep. ain't right. <clears throat> so I think it would make sense, but it, yeah, it's rough from it's an rough acting for, perspective. Yeah, rough for poor Renee. Uh, so you have Quark or Odo at number one right now? I, I have Quark at one and Odo at two. Okay. I'm in agreement on that part. At this point, I, I think I think Quark still he doesn't have that much to do these days. But when he delivers, like he delivers one-offs and asides. And like small conversations in a way that makes him seem like a real person. Yeah, which is sort of I don't know. A lot of people in Star Trek are not able to do that. So, so here are the new Deep Space Nine rankings. Uh, we have Quark, Odo, O'Brien, Kira, Cisco, Nog, Bashir, Jake, Dax, and Baral. Yeah, looks like uh, O'Brien and Kira are tied. Nog and Bashir are tied. Dax and Baral are tied because we went flipsies on those. Yep. <clears throat> uh, so that's where we are. No big movements. Odo's been moving up, actually. Odo started in fourth place, and he's climbed up to second over the last two rankings. He was. He did seem like kind of a weird. Yeah, he was a weird noir stereotype or something in the beginning. Um, <clears throat> but the rest have just sort of shuffled around. No big rises or slips. Uh, Kira started out in looks like in second place, and she's down to a tie for third. That's not really anything. So, yeah. That is yeah. where we are, Deep Space Nine. Uh, next in the order this week is Voyager. We watched Investigations. Yay! Uh, Neelix has learned about morning announcements. And he is so excited to deliver the morning announcements. Uh, he's hard at work on this new uh, part of his job as morale officer or whatever. Um, <clears throat> eventually, after some advice from Harry Harry Kim, um, he thinks it's also his job to become investi- an investigative reporter. So that that's going to come into play. Uh, he learns that Tom Paris... Is going to be leaving the dang old ship to join mm-hmm. to join a Talaxian convoy uh, because he pushed Chakotay that one time. Yeah. So he's leaving the ship. Um, oh, don't forget he was late for work, and also he did a gambling. He did a gambling. I remember that. Uh, so anyway, he's he's piecing out, and um, it was initially uh, they were trying to keep it kind of under wraps, but his investigative reporting skills got got the information out of. Uh, Tuvok and Jamie. Oh, no, wait, they just told him. Um, anyway, it, it also emerges that someone on board Voyager has been sending information to the Kazons 
um, Seska and the Kazon abduct Tom Paris from the Flaxian convoy. And, uh, I don't know, Neelix uh, discovers evidence that has been planted that makes him think that Tom Paris was the one who was sending messages all along. Right. Which messes up Janeway and Tuvok's secret little game, uh, which is that they, the Tom Paris thing, all the things, the Tom Paris slow burn, <laughs> was all a ploy. Yep. Because they knew someone was was betraying them to the Kazons or whatever. Yep. So they wanted him to go and um, get captured by the Kazon? Seems like that was the plan. Now <laughs> they, knew, they knew he'd be kidnapped as soon as he left the ship? Yes. It's right. troubling. It's yeah. not a good plan. Okay. Uh, anyway, they couldn't tell the Maquis members of the crew, like Chakotay, um, because they thought that the traitor was a Maquis. And they didn't want to put them in the position of having to betray their old Maki comrades. That is the shitty excuse they give. Yep. Uh, she asks Neelix to keep investigating to really put the heat on whoever, whoever's really doing it. Because they probably feel pretty comfortable now that they think they've told everyone they think Tom Paris did it. Uh, Neelix eventually discovers that the real traitor is Jonas. He discovers this because Jonas tries to murder everybody. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, this Wikipedia description is very bad. He doesn't really discover it. No, In he fact, doesn't. You could he, say he, he sort of fails to discover <laughs> he it. Fails all to along. discover it. Uh, they get attacked by the Kazon, and Jonas tries to sabotage the the ship so that the Kazon can win. Uh, Neelix fights with him. Probably some stunt doubles, actually. Some stunt doubles fight in engineering, um, and then they uh, they beat his ass. Or whatever, and then they get Tom Paris back, and he tell- oh, Tom Paris also tells him it was Jonas, but they've already know. <laughs> it doesn't point. matter at that point. <laughs> they already know. Uh, and then Tom Paris goes on the morning announcements and says, "Sorry for the slow burn, everybody. That was just a jokes." And um, then Chakotay is like, "Hey, I didn't like that you didn't tell me about that stuff." I don't know. That's the episode. So. I had a little trouble with this one because obviously the real take for this episode is we didn't know what to do. Yeah. Yes. Like we thought it would be fun to do kind of a weird arc about why someone's doing this way. And then this, all we could do was this dumb plot. I told you many episodes ago that I remembered instantly what was going on with Tom Paris and that you would not enjoy the resolution. Uh, and I did not. <laughs> yeah. Alright, here's what this episode's about. All right. Secrets oh. wither in the bright light of journalism. There you go. We came very close. I don't think that, they, again, I don't think they really had a take in mind, yeah. particularly. But I guess that's the takeaway here because mm-hmm. Tuvok's dumb MI6 idea doesn't end up being worth much and Jonas gives himself away as soon as Neelix starts asking questions. Tuvok is a worse investigator than Odo. We will get into it. Yeah. Uh, I think this is on the right side of things Star Trek-wise because mm-hmm. it makes sense that the idea would be uh, ask questions openly and honestly and like shine a bright light into yeah. dark places rather than let's do some spy shit. Yeah. But it's still not much of a take. It was a reverse engineered take. Yeah, I gave it a two. I also reverse engineered a take, and that was buy newspapers. (laughs) Yep. I don't know what they really wanted us to take away, other than that they were so clever with this whole Tom Paris gambit. 
But Neelix's investigative reporting, while temporarily causing problems for their dumb scheme, did end up exposing Jonas. So, like, buy more newspapers so we don't lose all of our investigative reporters? Yeah. Like, did they know, know when, by the way, there was barely any internet when this was made? Did they know? Yeah. <laughs> they were ahead of the game. They're like, newspapers are about to be in real trouble. But we can't lose our investigative team. Um, yeah, it's a two. It's a reverse engineered two. Well, Ben gave it a two. Okay. Uh, I guess his take is deep space hijinks. <laughs> yep. I can't believe that's worth two. That's a, yes, if that's that a no all take. it was, that's a no take. Yeah. Uh, he also gave it a three on execution, saying he already hates it. Two solid minutes with Neelix on camera and he's monologuing. Yeah. And then they don't get rid of Tom Paris. Yes, he was excited that Paris was gone. Probably the first time I saw it, I was excited that Paris was leaving. He also says their plan is too convoluted to possibly work. Don't worry, it doesn't. Yeah, it did not work at all. And I will definitely have thoughts about that. Uh, But how did you think they executed? Neelix doesn't have a job, so he's free to be the one to do all this crap, but like, why didn't Tuvok ask any of these questions? Boy, it's, um... Yeah. Because it seems like, uh... This investigation really sped up uh, to its conclusion very quickly after Neelix started looking into it. So why did Tuvok and Janeway proceed on one front only, a crazy ruse involving Paris leaving the ship, and then no other avenues? It's real tough, because it makes it makes no sense. Like, the only thing that makes sense about this would be if they're trying to plant Tom Paris inside the Kazon. Yeah. There's no need to do that. Just leave Kazon space. Just I know leave. it's impossible. Just leave. I, in this episode, it's revealed they can't even get away from Talaxians. It's just... Where are they going? I My theory? They're going in a big spiral. And that's but why about why? every fifth episode, they're back in Kazon space. That's why it's going to take them 70 years, by the way. Would have taken them eight months if they got in a straight shot. Despite my take. It's clear this episode was not really about anything. Um, I bet the Tom Paris ruse tricked a lot of people because they slow cooked it for five or six episodes or whatever. That is a... I mean, people would have had to be tricked as to what was going on. I don't think they would have believed that he was really leaving the show. Maybe not, yeah. But what was happening? Um, They'd be like, there'll be some reason why he has to come back and work with them. He'll discover something when he's on that convoy or... Doing a, a slow build on a character like that it is a pretty big departure from anything a Star Trek series had ever done before. I agree. And I feel like they should be rewarded for taking the chance. I disagree, because clearly they had no resolution in mind. Well, I mean, no, okay, maybe this was their resolution and it's just not a good one. Well, that's bad too. Uh, I give it a five in execution. Okay, so we're going to be apart here. I gave it a two. I, I wanted to reward them for trying something. But the show is done. You're not rewarding them. I understand what you're saying. Like, because they could do but, good things with this. But this and, is the and, end of that run, and they did yeah. bad with it. Right. Okay. Um, if this turns out to be the start of an arc where Chakotay gets really disaffected by by this thing, then right. I would be pretty pleased. But I, I can't give it credit at this point. I don't know that that's going to happen. Right. Right. Uh, this episode turns Jonas and Seska into a clownish non-threat in retrospect. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know what we were supposed to think about Jonas the entire time. All I ever have for Jonas is Jonas stands near a panel. Jonas stands near people. Right. <laughs> but it means, like, the whole thing was not a threat, it turns out. Because yes. uh, Janeway and Tuvok were onto it all along. Yeah. And also Neelix was capable of breaking it. Neelix did, did in the whole scheme. It also makes Tuvok and Janeway look like idiots. Yes, so as well we discussed, done. their scheme was stupid. Very, like, good job, idiots. Yeah. Ben gave it a three for characterization. I'm oh, sorry, world building. Ben gave it a two for world building. Oh, okay. Talaxians. Is what he said. Okay. I gave it a two for world building. Okay. Here's what we've learned world building wise. Yeah. Maybe there's more, but this is what I caught. Uh, venting plasma can burn out the warp coils, but apparently you can repair them in space. Okay. Uh, security codes on Voyager make no sense. You just need to know the code now. You just need to know the, say, engineering authorization alpha 4-7 or something. Yeah, it's not like voice identified or right. anything like That's that. That's a big know. back step, especially when you consider that they did some business about security in earlier episodes of Voyager. Where it's like, separate the command codes from this and like... Yeah, that's like, right, when they were being inhabited by aliens or whatever. Right, so someone thought about it at some point, but this week it's just... Neelix can just say engineering authorization alpha 4-7. And the computer lets him look at Tom Paris's logs. Yeah. Um, that's about it, and I don't like the second thing, so that's why it's a 2. <laughs> yeah, I also gave it a 2. I have, why do future TV cameras suck so hard? Well, yeah, why, why would you portray Why does it have scan footage, lines? The camera footage of a 24th century camera as less clean than the stuff you're putting on UPN in 1995. Right. I don't even understand what the impulse is there. Um, Starfleet casual wear is so fucking terrible. Oh, yeah. Is that thing Tom Paris wearing, like, velvet? It's velour for sure, right? It's, like, it was textured. I was like, what the hell is happening with this thing? Uh, just to keep track, the Kazon Nistrum is the particular sect that um, What's-Her-Name-Is-With that is involved right. in this. Yeah, that's not new, but... Um, I, I just can't keep up straight, so... When they get into it, some of the Kazon stuff is interesting, mm-hmm. but they don't get into it enough or correctly. Plasma overloads apparently can cause random glitches to things like computer memory and databanks. For some reason. Well, we do know that they use plasma to transfer ship's power. Okay. We know about the EPS system, right? Right. That's also why, presumably why, any panel can explode at any time. Don't stand near one. Just, I know they're everywhere, but stand in the middle of the room. As soon as a ship started attacking, I would just go stand in the middle of the room. (laughs) And use voice authorization to do everything. And just put your hands over your eyes, because you know there's going to be some (laughs) fucking flying black glass in a minute. Uh, Voyager Tech Babble. Jonas was sending messages using the ship's power grid as a substitute for subspace antennas. Yeah, alright. Yep. Sure he was. Yep. Uh, they're on a collision course for... What, did they say Kennebec? Is that Maine? Uh, yep. Are they gonna have a battle? Is it gonna be the Clash at Kennebec? This is where they With told... With a K for Clash? This is where they told them that they would have the battle last week. That's where mm-hmm. Seska told Jonas to, uh, disable the ship. So more more plot continuity. Um, I know for sure that they can beam people up who aren't wearing communicators. Yes. But sometimes the writers act like they can't. 
Yes. And they can only beam a communicator. And after they beam the communicator, they're good, they go, well, that's all I had. I don't know yeah. how to find people. Like, they, there are two people in engineering. They should be yeah. able to tell which one is Neelix and which one is matter. Jonas. It doesn't matter. Beam them both. But, that's right. Beam them both to the brig. Who gives it's, a shit? It really doesn't matter. Who gives Neelix one half of one shit? <laughs> yeah. You can let Neelix out in a minute. That's right. I just, um, I don't like that. That's some, that's some nonsense. Um, it looks like the Talaxians are not possessed of mega strength. No. Because Neelix has a really hard time with old Jonas. No, they are not one of the species possessed of mega strength. And, uh, yeah, getting a poor score because most of this was negative world building for me. Yeah. Uh, but maybe you felt like they did a better job on characterization. A Voyager strength always. Yeah, um, let's have it. Uh, pr- prior to this episode, Voyager's average for characterization is 6.65. That is second lowest. Just to, to set the uh, benchmark... TNG and TOS are both over nine. Yeah. So six is, six is extremely poor. Enterprise is worse even, but not as big a gap as you'd think. Yeah. Uh, like I said, Neelix learns about morning announcements or morning shows or something. Uh, now he's an amateur counterintelligence agent. You know, I've been thinking about it as gas station TV. It is, it is, it is, it's the equivalent of gas station TV. It's infotainment or something. It's just like, here's uh, some stuff from the doctor about health. And now we're going to, I'll tell you, uh, some gossip about people dating, which seems fucked up. Um, the Doctor has been programmed to be swayed by the allure of celebrity. Yes. Or, <laughs> or his program has quickly evolved to include that for some reason. Yeah. Well, listen, let's not pretend like he doesn't have emotions. Oh, he for sure does. Uh, and this will obviously be another example of everybody shitting on the Doctor and ignoring him, and his segment will be delayed day after day. And we'll get some zany doctor comedy, is what my prediction was. I'm into it. I just wish you would refer to him as Schmollis, please. Sorry, Schmollis. Her uncle, of course. Uh, Harry Kim was an Academy news editor and journalist. Yeah, he was irritating there. He uh, had a personality, but it sucked, apparently. That's right. Uh, Tom Paris Slowburn, finally paying off. He's leaving Voyager. I'm sure it will be forever. Jonas stands near a console. Jonas stands near an exploding console. Jonas loses his cool when Neelix asks him questions about deleted log entries. He at least does the smart thing and takes advantage of the Tom Paris slow burn to cover his tracks and make it appear as though Paris was the one collaborating with the cave on. Hey, I, have so a real I finally question. had something to say about Jonas. I have a real, real question here. What happened to Carrie? I don't know, man. He ain't dead yet, guy. right? There was this other guy in this episode. Because now it's pretty clear that Jonas is second in command down there. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe his performance has been... Flagging. Not... Not uh, low-rent Scott Thompson from Kids of the Hall. We've seen this guy before. Yeah, I don't remember his name, but he, he's in this one, too. Um, oof. Chakotay's first officer and didn't know he was part of the Paris ploy all along. I would definitely feel undercut. Yeah. Uh, all on the meh side of average. Not a lot of character building, especially in light of Paris's issues being a hoax. Uh, but I didn't find it particularly far from average. I gave it a four. Okay. So I added up to a four for you. Uh, I was less bully on this. Okay. As I predicted last week, I was not satisfied with what they were doing with Chicote. Yeah. I know that Beltran deserves to be benched for not running out the play at first. Miguel Tejada style. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. But if you were him, could you be pleased about this dumb dildo role? No, I think, and I think you know, that's basically what it was. I don't think he decided from the very beginning before he went into this show, I'm not even going to try. I think he played around for a while and went, oh, this sucks. Yeah. Like, I'm not doing this. 
Like the most you can say about me is that I have a spirit animal. Yep, and that I'm Native American. But he's not even a real Native American, so he's probably not even insulted like he should be. Yeah. Oh, but don't worry. They're going to shit on Native Americans, too. Turns out oh, yeah. aliens made them special. That's right. That's correct. Hey, how can this show spend 90% of its time with Neelix and teach us nothing about Neelix? Yeah, he, yeah there's no characterization. He just uh, tries his best to solve it. He just Neelixes around, but like... Nothing personal about him at all in this. Yeah. Okay, also, Tom Paris is leaving the ship, and Kess doesn't say one word. Yep, but, uh, you know... So, that I'll sells that entirely out. I'll take it, because it's good when Kess doesn't say a word. <laughs> Janeway is, like, a pretty strong advocate of Federation values. Hmm. She's a real shitty captain. I think that is correct. I mean, she's bad at being captain. For all... She should have been an engineer. Because she's got no skills with personnel. What did we discuss not that long ago was the only thing that she was good at? Is it just like, um, is it diplomacy? What was what was the one thing she's that she She's okay diplomatically. That she was interested in. And the yes. rest of it is like, not so much. She is, uh, she's, she's got from the Picard school of captaining. She's probably real good at doing an ironic surrender. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, she is. That's my theory. We haven't seen it yet, but that's my theory. We will. I'm sure we will. No one comes out of this one looking good. Like, Paris's backsliding now can be explained. Like, I can just forget about it. Yeah. But, like, I'd like to see some actual growth. Yeah. Like, is it growth that he's not, he didn't suddenly regress and start being shitty about his shitty dad after that, after Threshold? Yeah. No. Yeah. It's not. It's not growth. <laughs> I only gave it two points for characterization. I just don't think anybody did any good work here. Okay. And I'm I'm mad about the Neelix thing. He's one of the better actors on this show. You gave him an entire Neelix episode. We learned nothing about Neelix. Yep. Why is this role interesting to him other than, like, all we're told is that he's the morale officer. He thinks this will be good for morale. Yeah. What does any of this mean to him? Why, you know, like, yeah, he's, he's doing this investigation because of something Harry Kim said to him offhandedly? Yeah. 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 That's like I said. Like I said, my characterization for him was just two two lines about things that he did in the episode. Nothing about him. Yep. <laughs> uh, ben gave it a three for characterization, so he's splitting the difference here. He's, Seska and the Nistrum are really stupid. Yeah. Um, Paris and Neelix. And yeah. And the the premise was too stupid for yeah. anybody to shine. Yeah. Uh. Oh, is it? Is it time for quick hitters? Let's get them quickies. Get them quick quicks in here. Um, so. To you, right? Yeah. yeah. You. So Neelix knows the expression from soup to nuts and he's riffing on it. Yeah. Maybe he heard it the other day and thought it was really good. Uh, Voyager can't even outrun the Talaxians. Tom Paris's casual clothes are terrible. Now, you mentioned this. Yes. But, but I, I want to say it their again. stupid casual attire. They're extremely bad. Have we ever seen anyone wear good casual clothes in any Star Trek? Star Trek? I guess the probably the best ones are Enterprise because he usually just wears like a undershirt, like Archer when he's hanging out in his quarters. Yeah, boy, that's true. A but their uniforms are the most sensible to begin with, so mm -hmm. that makes sense. That tracks. Like they have the desert uniforms. It's clearly the most thought anyone's put into it. Yep. Um, but casual clothes. Now yeah. Picard has one ugly but fun shirt that he wears later. 
Yep. It's a green velvet thing, but it's like got one texture on one side and then like another texture on the other. I think the best look is probably Picard on Risa. Captain's Holiday Picard? Not the caves. <clears throat> not caving. Jamal Haron. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe. His little Speedo and Robe combo? <laughs> it might be. Is that it? Yeah, That's as it good as it be. gets, right? It's not that different from what he wears in uh, uh, the one with Ardra. Yeah. In his quarters. That's very true. He likes that little that little number. The little short shorts and the little open robe. Little open robe, exactly, yeah. Takes a call from an admiral dressed like that at some point. Yes, he does. Uh, no, it's terrible. Um, I love that in Tom Paris's shitty explanation to Neelix of why he's leaving, he's a rambling man. Yeah, you know he's always, he's never wanted to stay in one place for too long. Yeah. Why wouldn't the Kazon destroy the Talaxian convoy, though? I have many questions about that. Like, I get it, they kidnapped Paris, but then why didn't they blow it up anyway? Or steal the cargo anyway? Yes, I mean, this is my problem. Neelix is like, oh, ordinarily they'd steal the cargo. It's like, why didn't they steal the cargo? Is it just to serve... Wouldn't that be, a, one, a better cover, and two, don't they need that cargo? Is it just to make us ask... So make it so that we don't ask why it was okay for Janeway to put the Talaxians in danger like that? Yeah, because nothing happened to them. No harm yep. came to the Talaxians. What the hell? Uh, we get to see the laser welding thing from Starship Mine. Mm-hmm. Another case of no one searching prisoners or putting them in sanitized environments. Tom Paris just brought a fucking computer hacking thing in his sleeve I onto the ship. This. And they leave him in a room with a computer. In real life, you get the shit frisked out of you. Yeah, that, they'll take your fuck. You go to jail, they take your fucking shoelaces. That's right. And you, what are you gonna do? Like, and that's a, that's if you just get arrested for like a DUI or something. Yeah, not D- if you've been kidnapped as like an enemy combatant. Right. Exactly. Definitely, when uh, if we kidnapped an enemy spy, he would not still have his original clothes. Anyway, yep. Uh, Kazon shuttle can stand up to so much pounding from a full-size Kazon ship that it doesn't make any sense for them to have big ships at all. I couldn't even tell. Was that a shuttle or is it like a little fighter? Or he like, what referred is it? to it as a shuttle. Okay, because I know in the past when they've had the fight scenes, we've seen their big old yeah. big ships and then their little ships. And I didn't know if the little ships are like little fighters. I don't know how it works. Anyway, they shot at him for like twenty-five minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, yes. Yes. I have some quick hitters about it. Janeway really threw away this Tom Paris can't be trusted scheme on something that she could have probably just worked out technologically. Like, they knew 90% of what Jonas was up to. This it should have been pretty easy to catch him doing it. Like, and instead, they it. burned their Tom Paris can't be trusted game on it this little like shit. One minute to discover there are some log entries missing. He just from, asks Bolana how you would do that. Yeah. And then once they figure that out, he goes to the place where he thinks it's happening, and he finds the Tom Paris evidence that has been planted there. But what would he have found if it hadn't been planted? You know what I mean? Like, Right. <laughs> like, they could have just found where Jonas was doing this from and then waited for him to do it. It's pretty wild. Yeah. It's a bad scheme. Yeah. Uh, you got some quick hitters for me? Yeah. Are we supposed to believe that Paris has a big enough problem with Chakotay and with his old space daddy that he's just going to live out his life in the shitty Delta Quadrant? Which we know to be shitty? They do ask us to believe that. 
And then I have, why didn't the uh, Kazon... Well, listen, don't worry about that. Harry Kim, his best friend, is certain that it would be better off for him to be dead than to be in the <laughs> fucking Delta Quadrant. <laughs> so that's what we're supposed to think about the Delta Quadrant, but no, I guess Paris is cool with it according to this zany scheme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I have, why didn't the Kazon take the Talaxian cargo? Um... Man, um, how would you rub one out if Tuvok's team had an open comm link to you at all times? Uh, well, don't worry. It turns out it's not. Or, like, deuce comfortably. Because Neelix still has to get on the horn to tell them some shit's going down, and that's why he fails to tell them some shit's going down. That's right. Um, and then I have this in real time, so this resolves itself. But, hey, that static was not enough to obscure Jonas's face. Why didn't Paris recognize him immediately? He must have seen him more than I have. But then we find out on the way back he does know it's Jonas. So. Yeah. Um, Paris didn't seem to be doing a lot of piloting when he was running from that bigger Kazon ship. No, kind of not. Just flying in a straight line and talking to Voyager. And getting blasted over and over and over and over again. Yeah, until real ineffective stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's all I had. So we can... Jump into actor rankings on this show full of brilliant actors. Yeah, and this week I gave the best actor to Neelix, probably, and the worst actor to Harry Kim every time. Every time. He doesn't even have to say much. He just uh, he just kind of shows up and he's bad at acting. So, roster. Yeah. Uh, on previous versions, we've had both Seska and Carrie. Well, we don't need Carrie anymore. We know Arguably, that. Seska has still been in it quite a bit. And through yes. this arc, at least. And in an important way when she's around most right. of the time. Yeah. So I would like to leave her on. Carrie, we had actually dropped for the last rankings, and I think that's fine. Yeah, he appears to have just completely disappeared from the show. That gives us 10 to rank. Yeah. Do you so, want to add Jonas? Oh, bonus Jonas. Do you want to add bonus Jonas? It's just a question. I, I, so I, it is an interesting question because he's been in four or five of these goddamn things. But yeah. he's dead. That's what I'm saying. So I So I think no. Okay. I'm good with that. Maybe if we'd done this last week, yeah. yes, but he would I, I still think maybe no, because so far he'd had like well, four scenes. This was definitely the a, way by far the most Jonas we ever that's saw. That's right. This is the only one where Jonas does anything and he dies in it. So I think no. So who is number ten for you? Harry Kim. Yeah. Garrett Wang. Yeah, it's Harry Kim every time. He's not good. Garrett Wang's not good at acting emotions, ailments, sentences, face acting. She's yeah. bad across the board. Uh, who did you have uh, at nine? Kess. Uh, she's not good, and I don't know if they noticed that or if they hate her behind the scenes because she's a lunatic, but she is appearing less and less, and that is not a problem for me. Yeah, but like even when... So she had a pretty, she had like the third biggest part in the one where the doctor falls in love. Yeah, she it was wasn't like matchmaker much. or whatever. Uh, it also didn't seem real. Nope. So, so okay. when she shows up, she's not doing anything either. I agree with that, but I have uh, Chakotay. Well, I don't blame you. I've never believed one thing that his character is. He's so checked out and nothing he does or says makes sense. <laughs> yep, I just, I'm not into it. I don't understand it. Uh, he is my number eight. And I have Kess at eight. Okay, so we did a little flipsy there. By the way, this is where I would have had Jonas. Uh, yeah, he hadn't done anything worth doing. Yeah. And I wonder now, looking at this list, so I am tempted to say that the next worst actor is 
uh, Robert Duncan McNeil as Tom mm. Paris. Yeah. That's what I Yeah, have. no, I think that's where I've got him. That's what I have. I have okay. him next. Uh, and then, uh, do you, who's your number six? I have Bellana. I don't actually think she's that bad. But I've been impressed by what Tuvok has been up to lately, which is where I had him before. Not that, not every time, but in the one where he was a serial killer, I thought he was kind of okay. Um, other than that, he hasn't had a ton to do, I guess. I think here I have Seska. Oh. She is okay at Arch, but she's pretty one note. Okay. And then I oh, th- I like it. We're going to have a good disagreement. I think good. swinging into five is where I have Tuvok. Okay. Uh, at five, I have Tuvok. Okay. Who's your number four? The Doctor. Uh, Shmolus. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I see you've changed his name to Shmolus. That's Shmolus. That's right. now that he is Shmolus. I don't know if he'll ever find a name in the actual show, but unless <laughs> but he does, Shmolus, Shmolus is, is, is pretty good. I actually thought, I can't remember what the one was when he went in the holodeck. Uh, when he went into the holodeck. When he went into the Vikings, when he played Vikings, played Beowulf. Oh, yeah, that was a long time ago, yeah. Uh, I thought that was appropriate, too. It was kind of a Dorcas name for a Dorcas. Yes. Shmolus. Uh, who's your four? Uh, four is where I have Bolana. And three is Janeway for me. I also have Janeway at three. Oh boy, Seska's real high up for this you. This is huh? what I was saying. I, I think this is where we're going to have a, a difference of opinion. We're pretty far apart. So is she your number two or your number one? She is my number one. <laughs> and this is what I asked you last week. I said, is Seska the best actor on the show because she has the juiciest role? Well, that's what I think it is. Clearly. Because when she's on the screen saying things, you go, oh, that wasn't so bad. Yeah, okay, but it's like every time Gul Dukat shows up, he's yeah. got something sassy and juicy to I do. I love it. I... But it's so much better to me. Like, oh, yeah, I'm no, so better. interested in what old Mark Alemo is doing. Mm, on DS9, I would put Seska at five, probably. Okay, so, this, so we're seeing a little bit about casting here also. Ye- oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, for sure. It's not even that I think Janeway's bad or anything. They never give her anything no she has had nothing to do it's very strange because she's the captain they gotta i mean this is why we've had four or five neelix shows right and a bunch of tom paris shit yeah but they don't know what to do with her when she has some of the most interesting decisions to make like every time they divert to do some bullshit instead of go home that should be a decision for her yeah she should be weighing some shit well, for one thing, it shouldn't be that much of a decision because the last fifty-five times, well, it's, also, it's, it's been always a been disaster. Bad. It's always been a nightmare. Um, so you have Schmollis and Neelix. I have Schmollis at two and Neelix at one. Okay, and, and this is kind of like what we were talking about with Phlox and Quark. For some reason, these alien outsiders behind the mask seem to do a better job. But these they found actors that could like act a little bit. Yeah, I don't know what it is. If it's like. Well, we're putting this guy in a bunch of makeup, so it doesn't matter that it's a handsome guy. Yeah. So we should find an actor? Like, I, I think don't that's know. what it is. Yeah, it doesn't matter how his crazy face looks. So, here but is... But I have a question. I have a question. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do it. Because I thought about this while I was prepping for this. Seska. Seska. They thought was a Bajoran 
in the Maquis. Yes. Named Seska. Yes. They then found out that she was actually a Cardassian spy. Uh, still named Seska, as far as we named know. Named Seska? Yeah. So she changed her face and her identity and her backstory, but she kept the name? Okay, it's so... It's like if I went undercover... As a Russian spy named Matthew Nielsen. Couple of questions, couple of th- thoughts here. Number one, if you are Seska and yeah. you're outed and you escape, right? And they're like, "Oh, turns out she was a Cardassian." Uh huh. Would you tell them your real name, or would you just let them keep calling you Seska? It's fine, whatever they want to call her. But I think the other guy calls her Seska too. The oh, um, Kula? The Yeah, Kula. Okay, yeah, but why tell him your real name? But it's like. But why not? Because I mean, he's like, just going to tell Voyager. Everyone knows that you're not Seska. Yeah, I, look, I but get why it. Why do you want to keep like, living as Seska? But you are a spy, and you've been under deep cover for a couple of years. Why give anything also, away? We know that this is not why. No, they didn't we think know about very it. very much that they never considered. They didn't want to come up her. with the idea at all. <laughs> but I but just I, think it's so weird that we're just going to call her Seska forever. I guess we never learned her identity. She's did we Seska. ever learn her... Fa- her uh, her first name, which is her last name, because she's Bajoran. Like it's, I don't think, it's Seska something. Yeah, I don't think they bothered to tell us. Right, but they just they just refer to her as nothing but Seska, even Chakotay. Yeah, yeah. Who sexed her and presumably knows her first name, her given name. I mean, I I don't know what kind of guy Chakotay is. I don't know. It's a good. It's a it's it's a I good just, question, and it's thoughtless. While I wrote it down, I went, wait a minute, what's her name? Is her name Seska? Yeah, it's, it's definitely it definitely is not Seska. That makes zero <laughs> sense. Right, I guess we'll never know. But I assume knows. we'll never know, although she's still alive. So here's another big question about this dumb, dumb episode. Well, by the way, here's the rankings. It goes Neelix, Janeway, Shmala, Seska, Balana, Tuvok, Paris, Kestrikote, Kim. Yeah. Um, they seem to disable Seska's ship at the end of this. Mm. And then what? Mm. Do they bring her aboard? Do they blow up the ship? Was Kala on board that ship? We'll never know. Are the <laughs> are the Kazon Nistrum done now? Will this pick up next week? I don't know. Yeah, it's like what? No resolution. Yeah, not even a throwaway line about it. Yeah, we don't see the ship escape. I don't think it seems pretty banged up. Uh, by the way, Voyager damages this ship badly in like two phaser shots. Yeah, the Kazon have never seemed like all, all that much of a threat. <clears throat> Um. Anyway, because of how things went last week, we still get to do the actor rankings we care about the most yeah. after we talk about our last episode this week. Uh, up next is The Next Generation, and we watched The Dauphin. Huh, I've already heard this this week. The Dauphin. Thank you. If it was good French, it would be The Dauphin. Yeah, but if it was... I guess arguably La Dauphine. If it was Jonathan Frakes French, it would be Dauphin! (laughs) (laughs) The Enterprise arrives at some outpost on a shitty planet called Clavdia 3. Yeah. To pick up the future leader of what turns out to be another shitty planet, Dalad 4. By the way, this planet is so shitty, Picard asks that they zoom in on the shittiness and look at it closer. He cannot believe it. 
He's like, this cannot be the entire planet. Would you please magnify? Oh, nope, that's the whole planet. It's By the way, shit. they should know this is an uninhabitable planet. It turns out that it's a tidally locked planet where one side is in permanent sunlight and yeah. the other is in permanent darkness. You should know that that sunlight side sucks. You should only zoom in on the wait, Terminator. Wait, I thought the side that, I thought the planet that was all night and day is their home planet. That's where they are at the end. That's what they... Oh, I oh, see I what thought, you're saying. I thought in the beginning... Yes, you're right. They, the one planet. they zoom in on is the fucking research planet. Yeah, that's the nasty yeah. mud planet or whatever. That is the one they tell them to zoom in on. Anyway, when they get to there, one, it looks just the same. So it doesn't yeah, matter. that's right. Yeah. They didn't bother to give us two. Um, so uh, they're picking this uh, future leader up. Her name is Celia. And uh, also, Jordy's going to spend a little time tuning up the warp engines. So they're going to be stuck at impulse for a couple of hours. That doesn't yeah. actually matter. Well, it only in that I guess we're not going anywhere anytime soon. Right. So, so we got we got just things. a minute. He sends Wesley down to ship's stores, okay, to pick up a part of some kind. I guess that should be world building. Yeah. Celia beams up with her caretaker, governess, mm-hmm. a woman named Anya, and on their way to their quarters after refusing a tour, Anya's a little chilly. Yeah. After refusing a tour, they run across uh, Wesley Crusher. And he's carrying a fancy magnet. And Wesley is instantly in the bone zone about this oh, teenage girl. yeah. And that little onesie ain't hiding nothing. He's so fucking boned out that he doesn't even take Jordy this magnet. No. Instead, he goes to his quarters and brushes his hair and then calls Data down <laughs> from the bridge, one presumes. It's important. That's where we last saw Data. That's where we'll next see Data. He is in charge of the ship right now. It's very important that he talk to Data Calls right Data away. down. To get some deets on Celia. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, Jordy calls to ask where his fucking magnet is. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, Troy has got some reservation. Mm. She uh, thinks that these people are hiding something. Yes. And Picard is going to do his due diligence. By which I mean he's going to call their quarters and ask if they like their quarters. Well, he is going to make sure that they have to go on the viewer. Yes. He says, hey, I'll turn on the viewer so I can look at your bodies. Uh, he has seen them and been in their presence at this point, though. It, it is very confusing what he's hoping to get out yeah. of that. <laughs> anyway, they're fine with their quarters, so he hangs up and looks at her like, well, <laughs> fuck know. you. What do you want me to do? <clears throat> um, but Celia, uh, during that conversation, does ask about Wesley Crusher. So it turns out that um, we're in for it. It's going to be a fucking teenage love story. About time. I've been waiting for one of these. Um, we also get a little briefing from Data here about the Civil War on this uh, on their home planet. It's tidally locked. They've got a fucking Romeo and Juliet scenario, but it was in the last gen. An outrageous Okana. They had an outrageous Okana in the last generation, and Celia is the daughter of that union. Yep, the daughter of um, the guy from what were the name of those two planets in outrageous Okana? I was gonna say Breca and Ornara, but that's definitely <laughs> from Symbiosis. So. All right. Uh, the Straylab and the fucking... Um, I don't know. Morgulop flies. Morgulop flies. I don't know. Yeah. Um, also, at this point, Riker says that uh, the girl seems a little frail to be the leader of the planet, which sucks. Yeah, but thanks, luckily, thanks, here's Philosophical Season 1 Worf. He's going to step in and say that the body is just a shell. That's right. And not to underestimate her. Yeah, he didn't say something like we should probably kill her. He didn't say one Riker, one ready room, <laughs> one bridge. 
Uh, yeah, his head doesn't hurt from yeah, this exactly problem. Yeah. Uh, now, so now, cut to Celia's quarters, and she is talking to a young lady we've never seen, but who is definitely her cool friend that she practices kissing with. Yeah, yeah, but we know that only two people came on board. That's right, so I don't know who this girl is. Hmm. But don't worry about that mystery, because she's going to turn away to talk about her doubts, and then we'll hear a slurping sound, and when she turns back, the girl has turned into some kind of nightmare walk. Yeah, like a, like a real scary teddy bear. Yeah. The kind that you definitely don't want to hug. Just like the worst kind of teddy bear. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Jordy sends Wesley home early to jack off. Yeah. Uh, he's backed up. Because he's, he's distracted. But yeah. Wesley doesn't, um, doesn't get the picture. So instead of just going home and cranking one out, he walks all over the ship asking for dating advice. Oh, yeah. Um... Oh, by the way, at some point they do show us the trick, and uh, because uh, Evil Wicket turns back into Anya. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wesley talks to uh, Worf on the bridge, and that's super great. That's a really good scene. Uh, it's it's fantastic. It's my favorite part of this episode, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, then his advice tour reaches Riker, who uh, does some pickup work and definitely fucks Guinan later after everyone's left, right? Certainly after Wesley leaves. I don't think they waited oh, for anybody else. That's true. He might not have waited. There aren't normally any other kids on 10 forward. Yep. I think he waited for Wesley to leave and that was it. Yeah. Anyway, he and Guinan have do, do a bit of business. It's pretty good. Well, he likes aliens now. He's into aliens these Vecla days. Flip, flicked a switch. Yeah. I mean, Troy's an alien. This shit's yeah, been going on for a while for him. She's a halfsy. She's halfsy, so he had to work it up to it, you know? Yeah. Guinan's a who knows what and who knows how old. And those both are interesting to him. That's yeah, to him. That's that's exactly the right zone. Uh, Anya, meanwhile, uh, is on a making a nuisance of herself tour, so uh, she gives Jordy a hard time about what he's doing in engineering, which is the only real purpose for this scene. By the way, the only thing that seems to really piss off Jordy. Yeah, he doesn't like being questioned. Yeah, he doesn't like civilians, and they're telling him how to do his job. Uh, Wesley shows up at Celia's door, and she invites him in for some real G-rated fun. They eat pudding with their hands, and then he takes her to the holodeck. Oh, all right. Well, that sounds nice. Uh, meanwhile, Anya's bummer tour of the Enterprise has reached sickbay, where she turns into a horror Chewbacca <laughs> to kill a patient who has the flu. She's only the worst possible versions of Star Wars characters. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the guy's got the encephalitis or whatever, right. and she's like, it's probably contagious, and then... Pulaski's like, oh, yeah, I mean, I guess technically. And then she's like, well, I'm going to fucking kill it. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Anyway, Picard shows up and uh, manages to talk her into going back to her room. Mm-hmm. He give, puts her on timeout, but he has to use his command voice a little bit to do it. She respects that, though. Yeah. Uh, Wesley's doing an Oh, the Places You'll Go in the holodeck uh, with, get off it. with Celia. Despite the fact that she clearly has her whole life laid out in front of her. Anyway, he's mm-hmm. dumb. Yep. Uh, so he takes her, shows her a bunch of impossible places that he claims he's been. He's lying yep. in all cases, right? Yeah, he's never stood on that asteroid. I know he's a liar. Yeah, he's definitely a liar. Um, Let's see. Anya and Worf have a dick measuring contest at the door to her quarters. Yeah, because they kind of got into it in sick bay. And, uh finally in 10 forward dumb dumb slow wesley finally gets the idea that Celia might have bigger shit going on in her life than eating chocolate with him yeah um then guinan gives her some maybe gives him some maybe bad advice and he chases her through the ship 
Yeah. Before having another meaningless encounter with Anya, where for some reason she and Picard are out looking for them, and the music gets real tense, but then nothing happens. Yeah. Well, um, so wait, so doesn't he, doesn't he go to what's her name, Celia's quarters or whatever? That already did happen. Oh, when when they both shapeshift? No, no, that's later. That still ain't happened. This is just, he chases her out of 10 forward, runs into her in the hallway, then Picard and Anya are there. Yes, yes, yes. And then Picard and Wesley have to have a chat. And then, so yes, exactly. So. Sorry. I should just let you do this. uh, The Enterprise goes back to warp and Picard calls Wesley into his ready room to gently warn him off Celia. I don't, I don't know. I guess he tells her, he tells him that Anya is a shapeshifter and Wesley doesn't think, I don't wonder if Celia is. Nope. Yeah, he never considered it. Yeah. Anyway, they get to Dalit 4. This is another one of these missions that seems to take about an hour. Yes, once, the, one, warp, it's a once the warp scenario. engine's working, and yeah. then they're, they're there in a minute. Uh, so the Enterprise discovers that the planet is too hostile to support human life, and they already know one of them's a shapeshifter, but they, they don't put it together. Yeah. Because at this point, Celia has uh, waited till Anya took a nap and snuck out of her quarters, and now she goes to Wesley's quarters, and they kiss. Mm-hmm. But whoops, there's bug-eyed Chewbacca again, yep. because Anya followed her. And then Celia turns into a different kind of monster to protect him. Yes. Everybody, uh, everybody says their goodbyes. Anya announces that her duties are completed. I mean, that's really the end. Yeah. Wesley has a kind of a shitty scene with her where he's like, "Oh, he's racist." Why didn't you tell me what you really were? How what can are I trust you anyway? you anyway? What are you gross? Was it fun pretending to be human? Yeah, he's, he's uh, yeah. yeah, he has, he's, but uh, you know, he apologizes for some shitty things with even more chocolate pudding. Yeah, God. And then Celia turns into a ghost and beams away. And then Wesley goes and has a sprite with Guinan in 10 forward. Hell yeah, he does. Hell yeah. Whoa, what was this dang episode about, Matthew? Uh, heavy is the head that wears the crown, I guess. This lady ain't going to be able to choose nothing in her life. Just being the head of state doesn't do nothing for her. It's all about governing her people and being responsible for others. And it's all selfless. And that's a bummer sometimes. This probably doesn't need to be done by Star Trek, but it's uh, it's fine. It's average. It's a five. So I thought this episode was about puberty sucks. Well, that too. For sure. There's some, there's some of that. That's silly, Judah. Well... <laughs> Well, well, um, yeah, 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 uh, I thought this was going to be heavy as the head. Yep. But I just, it just didn't seem to You thought it was more Wesley and emotions and less this lady and her responsibilities. Yeah, or like if it's that, then all the shape-shifting nonsense Mm. works against it. Because shape-shifting is also kind of a puberty metaphor. Dang, you're right, dog. We all turn into bug-eyed Chewbacca. Well, I mean, don't we a little bit turn into bug-eyed Chewbacca's or Nightmare Ewoks? <laughs> yeah, I think we do. Um, yeah. So here's the thing. Puberty sucks is a lousy Star Trek take. It's worth, <laughs> it that's, really, a, that's two points for me. That is for sure. If that had been my take, that would have been two points. Yeah, that's a two. <laughs> it's something, but it's not much. It's sure not much. Yeah. What did Ben have? Ben. Um, has. Three. You give it a three. Uh, we are all more alike than unalike, which would have been nice if that's what they said. 
but everyone's very racist in this episode. Well, how about his two alternate takes? Wesley gets his first chub, or inside so every hot chick is a hairy monster. <laughs> so, puberty ones, I think. <laughs> puberty ones. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, let's just jump right into his execution. Yeah. He gave it a four. Sure. Monster didn't seem that dangerous because, you know, they got phasers and everything. Yeah, they never shot it, but I guess, they, you know, it's a diplomat. Also, he thinks Wesley should have been excited about the shape changing for sexual reasons. I'm not going to say exactly what he wrote. Yeah, it's not appropriate. Um, he liked watching Wesley get weird dad advice from the whole crew. And that he thought it was generally fine, and he didn't mind the B-plot between the governess and Worf so much because of their dumb mutual respect thing at the end. Yeah, I don't think that quite rises to B-plot. That didn't work for it's, me. So It's something that happens. I only gave it three. The love story? Just fine. Sure. That's how dumbass Wesley Crusher would act. Yep. Yeah. Oh, you're destined to rule your planet as the sole hope for peace among your people? Let me show you all the places I'm going to be rambling on to while you're doing that. That's right. I get to do anything I want. Yeah. My mom's not even around anymore. But the shape-shifting is pretty dumb. It's a dumb device. I get to stay up late and eat ice cream all night! Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a dumb (laughs) device, and if it's supposed to be... See, it never would have worked out anyway because she's a shapeshifter? What's that an allegory for? Yeah, racism. Like, that's racism. Yeah. So, yeah, it's about a three on execution. Maybe you liked it better. You liked the take better. I think this episode was for kids, right? Man, is it? Because she comes to his quarters to sex him. She tells him, I I don't think Anya wants me to sex you, and then she immediately starts sexing him. She starts putting her hands all over him. And if Anya had showed up 30 seconds later, she would have had her tits out. Yeah, for sure. But, like, kids don't watch this show. Yeah, that's a good point. So what is all this puberty mess about then, right? Yeah. I mean, like... That's a good point. What do I care? (laughs) I've been through it. And then I said, I mean, we watched it when we were kids, but you know what I mean. Um... They gave us, like, a troubled princess that Wesley wants to rescue, but he learns that sometimes people only know responsibility. It was not excellent. By the way, this is a whole episode of people with enormous privilege failing to acknowledge it in any way. Oh, yeah. yeah not like, even he once. definitely thinks every person in the universe can go yep. to the fucking asteroids if they want. Uh-huh. Doesn't occur to him that he only gets to be there because his mom was the chief engineer of this starship. Yeah, chief, yeah, chief medical officer and of his starship. and chief medical officer and his dad wanted to fuck her, yeah. and Picard wanted to fuck her. I should say. Oh yeah, don't give away the game. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> now your theory has been revealed. You're not supposed to know. Uh, as always, they don't go far enough. Like her confrontation with freedom, like the temptation of it in this case, includes being cooped up in this sterile ass ship. Yep. And Anya is afraid of a little boy corrupting her ward, um, which was pretty tepid on any side of this issue. Yeah, I could see her being like, look, you don't have time for romance, and then meeting Wesley Crusher going, yeah, you know what, do what you want. (laughs) It's fine, we're going to be out of here in a few hours, it's all right. He made you chocolate pudding. Okay, whatever. It's all cool. cool. It wasn't good? That's good. I'm glad you had a good day. Uh, It's all kind of meh. I really liked what the camera did with that wharf scene. When it joins it mid-mating scream. Yes. That was super good. <laughs> and it pans out on the mating screen. That was very good cinematography. You're correct. And you're like, oh, wow. That was a thing they did. First of all, his scream is wild. By the way, he's just doing it on the bridge. <laughs> it's like, oh, just right there behind his station. 
How did Michael Dorn even make that noise? That is oh, a good. wild scream. Again, um, best part of the episode for sure. That that scene, that scene, and the Riker Guinan scene, I enjoyed enough to raise it to a four in execution. For yeah, me. but I, I listen again. This is one for me where the score and my enjoyment are not in alignment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I, I can understand that. <clears throat> uh, how are you on the world building here? Dalid Four sent their future leader to foster on this gross old mud planet. This lady has never been transported before, but I don't know if that reflects Dalid's technology or just her weird upbringing. Uh, centuries-long civil war on her home planet. Klingon love rituals. Uh, and did she say Andronesian encephalitis? Something like that, yeah. Uh, seems like this is shape changer number one. Can that be right? Like they've heard tell of an elasomorph, but like no one's ever seen one. Oh uh, yeah. But what about the salt vampire? So this is, this is what I was trying to get from you. Is this true? <laughs> is this shapeshifter number one? I, I don't. So my thought is that there might be a shapeshifter somewhere coming up in TOS. However, that might just be because I remembered there was an episode called The Changeling and forgot that that was about mm, that a fucking wasn't. probe. Yeah. So we'll so see. I don't know. But they, no one seems to ever have encountered one or, or known about one or anything. Yeah. Uh, 19% of the galaxy has been charted at yep. this point, according to Wesley. Um, get us to Dalib as soon as possible. Warp 8.8, apparently. That may be as uh, fast as they're willing to go in a non-emergency, because the emergency is this shape-shifting governess is a pill. It's a bitch. It's a, real it's a fucking bitch and <laughs> yeah. water off the ship. They may not. Picard may know that it does not going to look good if he authorizes warp 9.2. <laughs> you know what? Probably the, the maximum speed they're supposed to have for these diplomatic missions is warp 8, and Riker is uh, he's just he's cheating to get there it. a little yeah. bit faster. <laughs> Um, that's all I had. Uh, to me, that feels like a three. Yeah, I agreed. I, I gave it a three. Um, let's see. In addition to the things you mentioned, uh, we learned about the Galactic Zoological Catalog, mm. uh, door force fields. Okay. Uh, Enterprise's power output is under a terawatt. And okay. we talk about tidally locked planets. That's not a new invention of Star Trek. Mercury, for instance, is tidally locked, and our moon is tidally locked to us, so it's whatever. But we, the idea that life could exist on one is pretty tenuous, so whatever. Right. Everywhere there can be life in Star Trek, there is, though. That's one of the fundamental things about the universe. Yes, it seems very different from the real one, but I guess we don't know for sure. Yeah, we sort of don't have that much experience, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I gave it a three. Now, characterization. Uh, hold on, Ben gave it a two. Okay. He had the terawatt. Yes. I. It is terawatt and not terawatt hour. That is correct in that statement. A terawatt hour would be a unit of total energy, but terawatt is power, and that's what they were talking about. Right. Like a bit versus bite situation? No. Okay. Um... So, uh, no, a byte is just eight bits. I meant like um, a BPS versus a... Oh, you mean like a bit versus a bod? Yeah. Yeah. A, a One of them body bods. Yes, yeah. In that case, correct. That's what I like mean. Like a distance versus speed also would be one way to think of it. A parsec is both. 
Well, <laughs> it's I also learned. a unit of time in uh, Star Wars. It's everything. Uh, ben gave it a three in characterization. Wesley's uh, didn't do a good job with his first girlfriend. I think he did pretty good, honestly. <clears throat> I mean, she was well, real got- into it, and that helped. Yeah, I don't know what that was. Why she was into that fucking gaping weirdo. I, he was the second person she'd ever seen in her life, other than Anya, probably. Why wasn't she Although, again, Picard? I think that one Anya persona. I mean, would you pick Picard or Wesley? I mean, Riker Come was on. there, too, oh, is okay. the real so trouble. I'm saying. But Riker gave a lot of signals that he wasn't into it. Oh. Like, for instance, when, Wesley, alien com- enough when Wesley comes over and asks, who is she? Riker goes, uh, I think she's some kind of governess. <laughs> That's right. That was um, my favorite scene from Riker, by the way. Um, uh, if he had known she was a shapeshifter right away, he would have been way into it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. He would have said, mind your goddamn business. Get out of here, boy. Uh, I thought... Wait, no. Am I asking you what characterization is? No, I am. Yeah, you're going. Uh, I gave it a five. So there's some good stuff here for sure. What is what's not to like about Riker, Guinan, maybe even Jordy and Troy in this episode? Sure. Picard uses his command voice. Wesley gets caught up a little bit by the dialogue monster. Like mm. they're definitely when Picard calls him to his ready room and he does he has a little think, has a little think about what he's going to do about yeah. this. He does say to Picard, "I will do as you ask." He does sound, yeah, he sounds like a, like a, an alien squire. I think uh, Worf is kind of a mixed bag in this episode. When he's hella yelling about the sex. Yeah. Uh, or that bit where he says the body is just a shell. I'm into that. But the scene at Anya's door was awful. What, yeah, what was he doing the, exactly? I, I'm the protector of the Enterprise and et cetera. And you know, try, trying you. to, you must. And if not me, someone else. You must trust me. And then at the end, when he's like, it would be an honor to fight next to you, it's like, no, you did, this isn't earned. earned. Yeah, it wasn't no, earned. None of this I is agree. earned. Uh, so that's why it doesn't get any higher than a five. I mean, puberty Wesley is never going to be amazing. <laughs> that's not a, that's not I actually a good don't think it was the worst part of the episode, though. Right, so. How about you? Where are you, characterization wise? Wesley found a female him, all fascinated by magnets and haven't only studied for the last 16 years. Yeah, wasn't interested at all in that girl uh, at the Academy entrance, though, right? Academy no, exams? Even though she was way into him. Yeah, for he sure. He was more interested in Mordok. Mm, he was more interested in Mordok. He really was. <laughs> he wanted to be friends with him. Has he ever had a friend his age? There aren't many on Enterprise. There was the Asian kid he went skiing with. That's right. And the kid who stole that shuttle. Jake. Yeah. None of the Aryan ginger kids who were stolen by those weirdos were her, were his age, though. No, he was by far the oldest. I just, I don't know. If, does he have friends? I don't know. Did steal only white kids. I'm sure we mentioned it, but... We definitely uh... mentioned it. It came up. They <laughs> wanted the whites. Um, <clears throat> Wesley's favorite vacation spot is Thalos 7. He is also real dumb. Just reminding this girl over and over that she'll never be allowed to act of her own free will. <laughs> yep. Then he's angry and racist at her like a little turd. He sure is. Worf is frustrated by how picky Anya is about their arrangements, uh, like security arrangements. He also knows not to judge by appearance. We'll see if he remembers this in later episodes. That's a very good question. 
Love Worf's scream and love advice. I love when he says, go to her door. Big like a human. That's super good. That's crazy good. And also, I love it not just because of Worf getting to do all that stuff. I love that idea of Klingon courtship. It's the, very intricate, and it's a lot of backstory for us to play with. That the women are throwing shit and clawing at them, and uh, they've got some love say, poetry that they're doing. Now we know what Worf's understanding of Klingon romance is. And can I say... I love the idea that if things had gone a little bit, like, one second longer on the paw, Riker would have been unprepared for this situation. <laughs> I don't know. Did Vecma just the fucking throwing shit at him, and he's, like, trying to bust out a sonnet, and he doesn't remember any of them. And he's like, he's making oh, him up Jesus, on the fly. my mistress eyes are nothing like the sun. No, wait, is that a good one or a bad one? God damn it. <laughs> yeah, it could have been good. Uh, and like you said, Worf is real chesty with this broad for some reason. Uh, just being like, I would have stopped you, and if not me, someone else. And it's like, it's kind of weird. I don't really know what they, I don't know what the writers thought they were doing with that part. Yeah, it's, that's the problem, right? Kind of unfinished. Uh, Jordy has to give Wesley the talk. <laughs> I don't know why it's his responsibility, <laughs> but he's the one to do it. And also, for the first time ever, I've seen this episode a hundred times. I chuckled when he told Wesley to use the ladder. Yes. When he goes, come on down. You're no good there. And Wesley's starting to come down and he goes, use, use the, the ladder. ladder. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, that caught me this time. But for the 50th time ever, I chuckled when Wesley slid down the thing and said, that's silly, Jordy. Yeah. He does such a weird little motion there. He does a little, like, his arms flare out at his sides a little bit. <laughs> It's, it's pretty like good. Kind of, it's kind of like a shrug, but his shoulders don't move. Yeah, it fails to be a shrug, but it's, it's like in the shrug, shrug ballpark. Yeah. Jordy doesn't like civilians questioning his engine prowess. We talked about that. Um, Riker has got a lot of pickup lines. Well, by the way, uh, here's my theory. It's because Riker sometimes asks him dumb questions like that, and he's had enough of it. <laughs> he's tired. He's like, look, uh, I'm doing it right. You know that's because the ship hasn't blown up, so just go away. <laughs> I was flying this ship last year. This is a lot of pressure. I don't need you asking me questions. I'm still trying to figure out where this piece goes, this piece in my hand. So why don't you just let me get back to it? I found, by the way, I found three isolinear chips under a ledge, like under the little lip over I think there, been there, where Shimoda took them all out. I think these have been there for a year and a half. Data didn't put those back because they weren't in the pile. I don't know where they go. <laughs> also, this magnet I ordered from ship stores... I forgot why I needed it. I'm just carrying it. I don't know. Also, apparently this thing I'm trying to use to fix this can blow the whole ship up if I push one wrong button. So, lady, get back on the turbo lift and get the fuck out of here. Uh, Riker has got a lot of pickup lines. I know this because he's not smart enough to ad-lib all of that stuff with Guinan. No, no, for sure. This is all very practiced for him. I get the feeling Guinan is the one ad-libbing. Guinan is a flirt. Unabashed. Yep. Uh, Troy is back to advising Captain Picard, but only with vague feelings and intuitions. Not like diplomatic skills. Her advice in this one seems to be, I sense that they're not who they say they are. Uh, as is typical, everyone on board is insanely racist, asking what kind of creature she is, comparing her to an animal. Yep. And uh, yelling at her for pretending to be a human. Oh, and by the way, also, here's how you know they're racist. They show up at this place. They make contact with her. 
Anya asks, what species are you? Picard just goes, human. Human. Doesn't mention, it's, I don't know, it's a crew full of various kinds of people. He yeah. just goes, uh, uh, I'm human and that's what matters. Yeah. Also, doesn't She's think like, that's a weird great. question at all. And that she goes, excellent. Excellent. <laughs> it's like, uh. Are she white? Yeah, yeah, lots of blonde people. Are you from Western Europe, though? We won't kidnap your children. But you're not Irish, right? Yeah, uh, I give it a four. Their racism uh, was a downer. There's racism in this, and the worst part about it is they have no idea that there's racism in this. They were not aware when they made yeah, this they, they missed it entirely. Yeah. I got some quickies. Yeah, give me them fucking quickies. You know I want them. Mm. This lady loves her some humans, as we just discussed. And as we just discussed, Picard did not mention the ship has many different life forms. Uh, I guess romance is going to be the A-plot, if the teaser is any indication. Um, man, they ain't fooling nobody. Like I talked about, we know only two people came up. So that pretty little thing must be Anya. Yep. Also, I recognized that lady, that girl, and I looked her up, and she was in Twin Peaks. That's the Madsen Amchik? Or something yeah. like that? I, I recognize I've, I've never said that name out loud. I have no idea how it's said. From when Marjan made me watch Twin Peaks. Yeah, uh, she has gone on to do some things. Uh, did you know f- that she was the runner-up for the role of Celia? I did not know that. But I guess that makes sense why she was there. Yeah. Uh, but that was her first film credit. Um, weirdly, do you think that she didn't get the part because she's too pretty? Because she's a lot prettier than Celia. But they'd say is, that girl ain't interested in magnets. <laughs> it's probably That's bullshit. <laughs> we need one that looks a little dorky. Maybe like some really big chompers or something. I mean, uh, well, uh, just a brunette. Just any brunette. Yeah, or any brunette will do. This is this 1987. Any brunette. Uh, <clears throat> Weirdly, I actually thought Frakes was more realistic in the uh, 10 forward scene with Guinan. Yes. I thought she didn't play it as well as Frakes until she tells Wesley to shut up. Agreed. Then she did very well. Is this girl cruising for dick? Something about the way she said she wanted something sweet. Uh-huh. Seemed a bit pervy. And then later in the quarters when she starts putting her hands all over Wesley. Uh-huh. I agree with you. Yes. This chick was for sure. She she definitely did not want to graduate high school a virgin. She was looking to be unclogged a little bit. Yeah. She's only been hanging out with Anya. That's right. And yeah, and she, again, she's tired of this the the nonsense with that pretty girl. She's ready for some dick. Yeah. Wait, can't Anya just become a, a big old dick? Yeah, she sure could. All right. Anyway. But she won't. Uh, I guess nobody's eating that chocolate mousse or uh, But she'd still be fucking Anya. I think that's the problem. Yeah. Um, I guess <laughs> no one's eating that chocolate mousse because they just they replicate it to big bowls or a big bowl <laughs> and then they leave it right in the replicator. Yeah, dude. It's fucking privilege again. Yep. Um, I really like when security to sick bay just means whoever's nearby to sick bay. <laughs> this time it was Picard. Picard was just there. And a real posing security officer who jumps in there like, hey, security! <laughs> the guy who jumps in at Picard. He knew he wasn't going to get any lines, but he wanted to be seen. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, worst actor candidate? There's a way. I know there is. Wesley. Yeah. So many emotions. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For people who have spent the last two hours together, a TV staple. These people have known each other for two hours. They're in love, and it's very sad. Yes. Well, look, teenagers are dumb, and yeah. Wesley has not been raised around a lot of other teenagers. No. Uh, 
and neither has she. So essentially, I think what we're seeing here is band camp. Yes, I think that's correct. So yeah, they probably. What kind of magnet is that? They're probably horny for it. I liked how when um, they each become a monster, they stayed the color of the clothes they were wearing. Yes. Yeah, it's like a little cinemata- uh, cinematographer. You know what I mean? It was a cinematographer. It's a little trick. filming trick that is completely undercut by how bad the monsters are. Yeah, the monsters. Like, these are, are some cheesy. Godzilla versus Mothra yes. level monster outfits. Again, if we turn on the channel, comment. Something like that will be on right now. Yeah. It's real bad. They shouldn't have done that. Uh, that drink Guinan gives Wesley in the last scene has some very distractingly loud bubbles. It's a fucking Sprite, for sure. That Sprite was so loud. I couldn't believe they didn't do something about that in it's post. It's got a refreshing hint of Lyman. They really wanted you to hear how fucking delicious that thing was. Uh, that's all I had. Ten seconds into the show, yeah. Riker says, Take us to impulse power, swipes at the blonde lady's chair, and misses it entirely. Go back and watch this again. He makes a gesture like he's going to put his hand on her chair, but he's not standing in the right position. And because he's looking at the view screen, he just misses it. And then just has like, to like put his hand gingerly back down. Like when, what's his name? Oh, what's the name of the guy who pretty recently t- fake took off his glasses? Like pantomime taking off his glasses? Oh, shit. Oh, I know what you mean. <sighs> I don't remember which dumbass politician it was who uh, was not wearing his glasses, but did the entire gesture of taking off his glasses to look thoughtful. Yes. (laughs) Uh, When Picard so confidently says that they're human, he is sitting next to a half-betazoid, behind an android, and in front of a Klingon. That is correct. None of them ever, they didn't even look around like, hey. Hey, Wesley. Why wouldn't a random girl you've never seen before know what a superconducting magnet looks like? You did, asshole. That's right. Again, it's just just judging people. Does Riker answering, I think she's some kind of governess, mean that he's having sex thoughts about Anya? Because when Wesley Why? comes up and goes, who is she? I just thought he was joking. He's like, it's Anya. I, I guess I assumed he was joking, but maybe he's not so I don't enough. think he is. I love this idea of Klingon courtship again, but... My theory, of course, is that probably Worf got this idea from Klingon love, actually. That's what I was going to say. According to Worf, this is how Klingons do it. Like, like Klingons don't really do this, but he's seen he sleeping on Chrono City, and you've got mail. They call That's, that the same thing. You've got mail, still that translates. Yeah. Uh, are we supposed to be shocked when Scary Alf turns back into Anya? Like, was there anything else that could be happening there? Like, they finally do that reveal where we see her transform back into Anya, but, like, what else could have been happening? We were supposed to be shocked by how good those graphics were. They do, like, surprise music. Yeah. Uh, was Picard just walking by sickbay? He's right. This is the part of the episode that sucks. <laughs> Security to sickbay. I'm surprised Jordy didn't come running in. Yeah. I gave best actor to um, Riker. There's a moment when he thinks his opening pickup line to Guinan failed. Yeah, and he he's looks like, oh, ashamed. Yeah. And that uh, maybe was that such work. a good moment. I know. That's uh, what I'm saying. In that scene, he was really crushing it. I was yeah. like, wow, Frakes. Yeah, right. he fucking knocked it out of the park in that little in that little moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I gave a worst actor to Wesley, of course. All right. So. Not a surprise. So, so, so. I'm going to do some totals. But right, we also let's... have to do some actor stuff. So let's do that let's first. Get into it. 
Let's get into it. Um, <clears throat> Are we adding anybody? We gotta add Pulaski, right? We have to add Pulaski? And I think mm-hmm. we have to add Guinan. Guinan, yeah, that's right. So, but Crusher, not really gonna be in this. Yeah, Crusher, I think, is no longer eligible. Mm-hmm. If for any reason she were to return and become a main character again, we yeah. could start considering her. That's a hypothetical situation. Yeah. <clears throat> but for now, we have 11 characters. Boy, that's a lot. Yep. Oh, no, we don't. Tashiar is dead. Oh, we yeah, have so we're down to 10. 10 characters. God, she was still alive the last time we did this. Yep. Or at least we still raided her. Wait a minute. I did math wrong. We have nine of them. Two of them are out. Crusher yep. and Yar are out. So, All right. number nine. Data. Yeah, I'm sorry, it's me too. It's, yeah, sorry, Spiner, you suck at everything. Yeah. You just suck so hard. Uh, in the first round, he lost to Yar. That's t- that's hard to do. And But it, by the second round, Yar was ahead of him, so. He's rough. He's very rough, and it's Spiner. We can agree that it's Spiner letting emotions through that don't make any sense for Data to have. Yep. Even and... Even ones that aren't written. Forget about the ones that they accidentally write for Data to have. Oh, yeah. The ones that are clearly just him doing a thing. Yeah. Yeah, he's not good. Um, do we agree that Wesley's next? I think Wesley has to be next. I don't hate the character of Wesley. I mean, I wish... The character of Wesley's a little bit regrettable. Yeah. But... Sorry, sorry Will. You're not doing it. Yeah, he's not crushing it. He's yeah. still kind of like Jake. I mean, better than Jake, but still on the same path. Like, yeah. kind of a kid actor. Uh, I have Frakes. Okay. Despite his good scene in this episode. Yeah. Now, I'm... We're in a realm here where I'm not sure. Okay. I... Because people have had good runs and bad runs. Mm-hmm. I think... I think Frakes is the best choice, and I'm but I'm really going to be stuck at number six. So who's your number six? Troy. Troy. Uh, Troy showed again, me a lot last year. Yes, but what I've realized, um, she clearly cannot do walk and talks. Well, okay, that's, that is true. <laughs> and it bothers me. And here's the other thing. Everybody that's in this group that I'm thinking of showed me a lot last year and has been off to a bad start this year. Yeah. So it might as well be Troy. And I think... Five for me is going to have to be Jordy. Okay. Uh, Jordy was a a little bit of a mixed bag. He's clearly a good actor. Yes. But he's doing things that make no sense is part of the problem. And he had some good moments, and he had some bad moments. And he had an opportunity last week to do something with the saying goodbye to Data scene, and he didn't land it. You're leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I have Pulaski at five. Okay. Sorry, Kate. Everyone knows her as Kate. Yeah. She's Kate. I think she's fine. I, I think she's fine. Um, She's been kind of a one-note. Thing, but that's what they've asked her to do. But she's fine. Yeah. I think then going in at number four for me is probably going to be Worf. No. No, four is where I have Pulaski. Okay. 
Yeah. I have. And I Worf have, will be three on my list. I have Worf at four. Okay. And I have Jordy at three. Okay. I still think that he delivers, kind of like Armin Shimmerman, like he delivers lines in a way that sounds like a person would say them. Most of the time. Not always. Often. Most of the time. Often. Um, now we're probably in agreement the rest of the way out. I have Guinan 2 and Picard 1 right now. I also do. Okay. Guinan, as soon as she came on the show, you really, again, we talked about it a couple of times already this season. Like, you go, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a person who knows how to, like, say, say lines. Yeah. Like, this, it was a still a surprise for me because I don't remember caring about Guinan at all as a character. And maybe as a character, well, she, I won't end up caring about her. But her, she, she in terms seems like of a magic acting, trick. She is kind of a magic trick. She's whatever the show needs at the moment, right? Yeah, her powers are mysterious. Uh, but her portrayal has been super grounded. Yeah, I agree. So uh, I really liked what she did in A Measure of a Man. That scene oh, well, with her. She Picard, turned it around, clearly. That was that was the episode for me. Yeah. Um, in an in, in episode with some good scenes. And, and by the way, that's like the only scene she's in. She's not yeah. in the episode. Um and she's been good in some other stuff too. So I, I think she's she's right up there. I also like what Picard did in Measure of a Man. <laughs> yeah, Picard was good in that too. And uh and various other ones too. So he's he's still the champ unless Guinan gets a lot more work in, I think. So what is the order now? Looks like Picard, Guinan, Worf, Geordi, Pulaski, Troy, Riker, Wesley, Data. No ties. No, but that's because we were further apart on this one than in many cases. Like, rather than just flip-flopping, we had to run a whole cycle before we lined up again. Well, six through nine, we had identical. And then we had uh, one and two identical. So it was really three, four, five we had in weird orders. Yes. Jordy Worf, Pulaski. So, now the math. All right, let's see it. This week, in fifth place, with 20 points. So, better than last week's loser, but not good. Right. Vanishing point from Enterprise. Enterprise, yet again, in last place. Well, yeah, what a shock. Yeah. What a shock. Good old, good old Enterprise. I gave it 12, you gave it 8. Yes. In fourth place, with a single point better, 21 points, but continuing its climb over Enterprise is Voyager with Investigations. I gave it 13, you gave it 8. <laughs> so you had, <laughs> you had dual 8s on those. I did. Uh, third place this week, the middle slot, TNG with the Dauphin. So that's a big back step from the week before. Uh, this only came in with 29 points, which is bad actually below the overall average. Yeah. And it's well bad. below TNG's average. Yeah, it's a, a subpar effort for them. I yeah. give it 16, you gave it 13. Yeah. So even yours was, I mean, a 16 uh, for you is a fifth of a point below your mean. Yeah. But basically at, at your mean. It shows us just above 50th percent off for you. Yeah. Um, in second place, with 33 points, is uh, DS9 with Shadow Play. I had a strong uh, characterization score from us, which floated it. Right. And that makes the winner this week with 35 points, the Doomsday Machine. It's not From a great score for a TOS. winner. Um, it's their 16th win, but you're right. It's not a great score for a winner. The winners of the last three weeks were 57, uh, 42, and 43. 43. 
Uh, the winner the week before that the was the DS9 episode, The Alternate, at 36 points. But if we go points. the week before that, a mock time one with 34, which yeah. is worse. So that's the last time a winner was worse, was a mock time in week 30. Mm-hmm. Um, obvious standouts this week, uh, World Building got a bottom 1% yeah. score with a, an average of 5.4, which is uh, quite bad. Enterprise didn't do any, so... <laughs> yes, Enterprise really hurt uh, hurt the hurt themselves here. That Enterprise episode, that twenty, that's a bottom ten percent episode. Yeah, it felt that's, like it. Uh, it did. It was really nothing. <laughs> yep. It was. Uh, I mean, again, it was a whole bunch of TNG episodes smashed together. And Into like, one episode and like, that didn't account to any, that amount to anything. Averaged, but in a bad way somehow. Like yeah. you took bad parts of those episodes. So. Uh, 16th win for the original series. Okay. So they make up a little ground on TNG, which had been catching them at a rapid pace recently. Yeah. And we're kind of getting into the doldrums as far as TNG. So it's going to turn around again real soon, but we've got some bad ones coming up. So TOS needs to establish a lead because TOS is still going to be happening when we get to the really good run in season three. So if... Uh, if TOS doesn't pull ahead now, take advantage of these shitty, shitty episodes. Yeah, uh, they're going to be in trouble uh, come season three. Yeah, but next week, uh, we will be two watching weeks, yeah. two two weeks hence next Star Trek episode. Yeah, we will be watching Cat's Paw. Don't remember it. I think that's about a witch. Oh, God damn it. All I think right. it's straight up about a witch, but that might just be my memory. Not one of the highlights in my memory. Oh, that sounds really, really good. We're watching Contagion. Okay. We all know what that one is. I don't. What's Contagion? Isn't that the one with, um... Uh, the one with the... God damn it. Is that the one where the Yamato really goes? Ah, uh, it is the one where the Yamato really goes. So the Iconians. Yes. Blue, blue, yellow. Yeah, that's the one got where it, they got see it, the it. portal, the whole, the whole portal thing. Deep Space Nine will be watching Playing God. That's a dumb trill one, I think. Oh, fantastic. You'll get some good Dex stuff. For Voyager, we're watching Deadlock. Uh, this has to be continuing the Kazon thing, right? Right. Uh, I think, so here is the thing. We're further along in terms of seasons for Voyager than any other show. And I think uh, Voyager might might be continuing with this mini arc thing on its way towards the season two finale. Yeah, because it'd be weird to just go out of that episode, like you said. They've disabled the ship, the other ship, and then there's no to just like go on to a new thing. It's a be. it's a few episodes out, like maybe week forty when we get to Basics Part One, which ends the oh, second shit. season. Oh, seriously? Oh, then I have no idea. Yeah, then so maybe no it's not. Maybe it'll just be some filler. But uh, Deadlock is what we're watching next. And then for Enterprise, the episode is called Precious Cargo. So I imagine that they're literally, they'll have to take a jewel somewhere. <laughs> I believe it won't be a metaphor. Just like Vanishing <laughs> Point was barely anything. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, now I'm looking up. Um, uh, I think this one... Uh, Oh, boy. I think it's a sexy lady is the cargo. Oh, like the perfect mate? It's going to be the perfect mate? It's the perfect mate, but with pa- Padma Lakshmi as the lady. 
So there you go. Yeah, there we Looking go. Forward to that. Looking forward to that. That's going to be good. That's what you need to watch if you want to play along. Yeah, so that's two weeks. Next week we're doing a non-Star Trek, which uh, will probably be some more Led Zeppelin. Yeah, we're at the Final Four. Getting close. Final Getting Four. Close. I'm going to be listening to those on the road this weekend. Nice. Um, so this was a long one. Yeah. No. So, Luckily, we're not going to do another actor roundup for another 10 episodes, so. At least. Maybe 15. Maybe 15? Yeah, 50 would it. be a nice round number, though, so yeah, that's worth thinking about. Yeah, 50 sounds like a good one. <laughs> Maybe we can do 50 and then 75 and then never well, again. Well, what I noticed is that my numbers, my rankings didn't change all that much in the yeah. last 15 episodes, so. But we'll see. Yeah, but we'll have more data points on the final graph if we do them more often, so. All right. You do like graphs, that's true. Boy, I do. If you haven't, uh, if you haven't been to Landrew in a while, I have added three graphs to it that will give you uh, average scores and three episode windows and five episode windows, showing you how how these Pretty episodes soon, have done over time. You'll be able to follow this project like it's fantasy sports or something. I mean, basically, there's, there's going to be so much information available for. Man, this. I love this averages graph. I know, I know. Look how both uh look how both Voyager and Enterprise took a hit this week. Well, Enterprise always takes a hit. That's what they're good at. Yeah. Just taking a hit. Alright everybody. We will see you next week. What is life? <laughs> <laughs>